reading to writing. Um, after I had been teaching the Get It Done workshop for a while, it you know it seemed like it wanted to be a book, and but then I had that thing of like I, I felt like I had to have it perfect inside of my mind before I started. <laughs> And I wasn't sure. I was like, should it be a, like a narrative? Should it be like sort of a novelization, one person's journey through the work? Or should it be a workbook? Or should it be this or that? And finally, I realized what I was doing to myself, right? Perfectionizing, perfectionism myself right out of the game. Right. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to let the book tell me what it wants to be. So for about, I don't know, a month or six weeks, I just walked around with a packet of index cards. And anytime I had a thought about something that I thought should be in the book, I would write it down. And then when I got home, I'd put it in a little envelope, actually a big envelope on my desk, labeled genius. <laughs> and like I said, after about a month, month and a half, I tipped all the index cards out onto the dining room table and then just started to clump them up. Like, oh, here's all the stuff around perfectionism. Here's all the stuff around self-doubt. Here's all the stuff around how to decide which of your 137 projects you should be working on right now. Um, here's all the stuff about how to talk about your work and not feel like a total dork. And so eventually, so, so, and, and in that way, the book started to take shape. So I do something similar. Um, it takes me forever. How did you, so once you clumped ideas together, um, was there, like, how did you approach the writing? I mean, were these sort of clumped fragments uh, part of the outline, or did you do a separate outline, or did you just wait for the, sort of like the the inspiration to hit, which I think is kind of a, a for me, it's a non-starter. Like, it, to me, it's writing is a grind. But how did it work for you to kind of get that first thing together? Yeah, once I started to see the the clumps, then I was able to to make make an outline. And because I was writing a book proposal, you know, I needed to have a pretty um, thorough outline with chapter summaries and everything. Um, and I had a little advantage because, like I said, I'd been getting, I'd been teaching the Get It Done workshop for some time by the time I started the book. So I had a lot of teaching stories. I knew the material really well. Um, you know, you kind of had your greatest hits. You know, your, your first book is kind of like your first album when you're with a band. It's all greatest hits, right? <laughs> right. Um, the second book was a lot harder because I, I was not as, I didn't have my sort of patter down as tightly. And, um, uh, it was, it was, and it was written on a really tight deadline. So it was a big push to get that one out. And that was your first book? That was the second book. That was Start Right Where You Are. Okay. Gotcha. So, mm -hmm. so going back to your first book, how long did it kind of take you to put together? In other words, from sort of like the box of, of, of index cards uh how did you get you know sort of like from the beginning to the ending in other words i'm assuming you you went through a book proposal you found a publisher perhaps an agent and did all that kind of thing and sort of was it were you somebody who sat down and wrote for four hours a day no <laughs> i've never been that person <laughs> right um i really admire people who are like that but no my my life is always you know like a lot of highly creative people i always have 13 projects going at the same time. So, um, you know, I can put my head down and work uh, in a heavy, concentrated manner for a while. But for most of my life, I sort of dip in and dip out. But much like you, I don't get precious at all about my writing. There is no, I don't need to wait for inspiration. I don't need 
to light a candle or say a prayer or be in the right frame of mind, like I just sit down and write. If it's time to write, I sit down and write and I don't accept any excuses from myself about not writing. Um, the, how long did Get It Done take? I mean, it depends on when you start counting. I mean, I had the idea and then it sort of germinated for a while. And then I, once I had written enough of the book that I felt like I knew what it was, then I made the book proposal. I had an agent friend of mine look at it and she was like, okay, good job. This is actually two books. <laughs> um, so narrow it down. Um, and I found that deeply demoralizing and had to sit on it for another 18 months after that. Right. Um, <laughs> and then, um, uh, and then was sort of able to come back to it. And a friend of mine had just been published by new world library. And she very generously said, you know, Hey, um, Sam, you know, if you want, I'll, I'll show your proposal to my editor over there. Um, so that was Amy Ayler's best person in the world. And uh, Amy showed, and they showed my, yeah, they showed my proposal to New World and they took me on as a first time author, which was just, and I had a wonderful experience with them. I, I loved being published by New World. So was it, I mean, because New World Library to me would be sort of like one of those very much an end game kind of like, how did you do that? And obviously you've had, you had some help, but obviously you also had the chops and the story and and the how-to, and you put it all together in a beautiful way, right? Because I don't think they're big on sort of first-time writers. Um, do you have any suggestions for people who might be listening who are working on that sort of like, geez, I'd love to get New World? Yeah, I think I had two things that made me um, interesting <laughs> to them. One was the whole time I was writing this book, I was building my business. I was building the Organized Artist Company, and I got into email marketing right away. So I started my business in early 2009, knowing nothing about anything, right? <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't have business cards. I didn't know anything about entrepreneurship. I didn't know anything about marketing or sales, but I was like, well, I guess I better learn. So I took every webinar. I went to every conference. I read every book and it turned out I was kind of a marketing savant. <laughs> so if you all want, want to check me out, go over to the and just hopped into whatever the opt-in is there. And you'll see how I use email. It's a little different, I think, than the way most people use email. Um, and so by the time I wrote my proposal for New World, I had a mailing list of like 5,000 people, which is Smart. not towering. You know, it's not a huge number, but it's a good number. And it demonstrated to them that like I understood the words back end. They could trust, you know, I was already marketing and selling courses. Um, I had demonstrated that I had a following, I had a platform. And, and I think this was sort of clever too. I had self-published a little book of poems um, a couple of years before that, just a PDF, super simple, you know. Um, and by the time, again, by the time the proposal was coming out, I had sold like 5,000 bucks worth of poems. Wow. So to be able to say like, yeah, no, I've already sold books and that's poetry people. <laughs> like, I think that up their confidence in me a lot. Cause you got to remember, I mean, publishing is a business. They want, they, they, they're not going to, you know, give you a contract just because they like you. They're going to give you a contract because they think they can make money from you. Right. Right. It's absolutely a business. And that was kind of one of the addendum questions that I had is that. Devin, just, yes. I'm I'm going to interrupt and quickly reset the room because a lot of new people have just joined us. So welcome. This room is podcasting for authors. It's sponsored by Club Pod. If you like 
the, if you like this room, we are here every Sunday at 10 a.m. You can also join Club Pod by hitting the greenhouse at the top. Uh, there's a gift for members of Club Pod of a free subscription to Podcasting Magazine. I believe the URL is clubpod.free. Uh, and if you have questions for Samantha, we are building up a queue right now. You just raise your hand and we'll bring you up. Please mute yourself immediately and welcome Nate, who's in his first week and has the party hat and is already up here to ask questions. Uh, we are recording, so just know that you are consenting to be recorded if you speak in today's room. Uh, if you don't want to be recorded but you have a question, you can simply tap on my face and uh, connect to my Instagram account and send Samantha a question through text, but honestly, we love voice. That's why we're on Clubhouse. So please pull to refresh, and if you're new, that just means touch the top of the room and pull it down to refresh the room, and let's get back to the interview, Devin. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Morgana. Yeah, well well done. Well done. So um, so I guess my question, we'll, we'll, we'll go to questions in a, in a couple moments, um, you mentioned self-publishing, and I think that's one of those ongoing discussions, certainly right now. Like, I'm, I'm debating, do I want to go back to a traditional publisher? Do I want to start self-publishing? You know, you've done both, right? Do you have any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, it really, it, it, it just depends. There isn't a right answer, you know. Um, it, it, and and people write for so many reasons. I mean, if you've got something where you just you just want the story out there, you just have to do it for yourself almost, even more than for anybody else, then just go ahead and self-publish. It's not hard to do. It's fun, um, and it's cool to see your book there in the Amazon, you know, marketplace. Um, but if you're not prepared to do a lot of selling and promotion, don't expect to sell very many copies. Um, and that's true whether you're traditionally published or self-published. I think there's a myth that like, oh, if you're traditionally published, they do all the marketing for you. And yeah, that, that, you those that. days are long over with. Unless you're Absolutely Nora <laughs> Roberts or Stephen King or, you know, somebody very, very well established. Yeah, and even even they, I mean, you know, it's, it's just, it's a very different game. So, um, but I think that the main thing is just if it is on your heart to write, then write. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's how my first book got created was by that. Like, I was writing that book whether anybody on the planet was going to read it or not. Yeah. And I'm, I'm grateful that I did it. However, I, have, I still have that sort of ongoing debate of whether or not it was the right thing to do to get it traditionally published. And whatever, it's out, it's done, and, you know, we move on, we're, we keep writing, right? Yeah, it must have been the right thing because it's what happened, right? I mean, right, no, and absolutely. <laughs> at, at some so point, we, you just embrace the fact this is how it goes, and, and it was a learning experience and, and a great right. choice. We bless, we bless that, correct. The, um, the other, what did I, oh, I just had a thought in my head about if it's on your heart to write. and Oh, also just trust the process. You know, you, you don't necessarily have to know every step of the way at the beginning, you know, start writing, see what happens. I was fully intent on self-publishing, get it done. When Amy like said, like I said, she's, you know, one of my closest friends and she had just been, had her book published and she looked at me and she goes, I don't know, Sam, she goes, I think you would kind of like it if it was like, you know, a book book. 
And I was all like, oh, sure. Like my dream since I was seven, fine, whatever, maybe. <laughs> and, and so the deal I made with myself was like, okay, I'll submit this, this, um, this proposal to this one editor. And if she says no, then I'm just going to go ahead and self-publish, but I'll give this one a try. And as it turned out, she said yes. So. I, I totally love stories like that where it kind of just is like, yeah, you were just in the flow and it worked out and it's wonderful. And so I, I love that. I love that. And and can we can we uh, take a question? I think the first person in line is Kafui. I hope I pronounced that correctly. I apologize. Apologize if I didn't. If you could unmute yourself. And absolutely uh, right, Devin. Yes, Kafui. And Hi, Kafui. Hi. Hello. Hey. Good um, morning. And and uh, do you have a question? Good, good evening. It's 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 uh it's nighttime here in the UK. But That's right. my <laughs> my question um is sort of directed more towards writing and podcasting because I'm currently in the process of writing my first novel, um, which is actually being turned into a podcast. Um it's similar to what Ronan Farrow did with Catch and Kill, if you've seen or heard or read it. Mm. And I'm at my wit's end as to what should go into the podcast and what should go into the book um, because obviously with a book you have more room to throw in more characters uh, with podcasting because everyone's listening you want it to be a more easy listening experience so I, I, I just don't know um, what goes into the podcast what goes into the book I, I'm very split well you have hit on one thing that I know almost nothing about <laughs> Just creating, <laughs> which is creating fiction and creating, and especially creating, you know, adapting fiction for podcasts. I will tell you that I have done a lot. My in my, I spent most of my adult life working as an actor, and um, did a lot of TV, and I also did a lot of radio dramas, and I did a lot of worked on a fair number of adaptations of plays for the radio, and and even some literary pieces for the radio, and I can tell you the main thing the problem with radio is that people always have to talk about what's happening you know because you know oh look here comes jeremy into the living room that's pink you know like because we don't have any visuals so mm, to keep it mm. in the present as much as you can have them talking about the past and the future as little as possible as in as much as things can play out in the present moment the better um and then just get really good actors they'll do so much of the work for you Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, and ju just one follow-up question, if that's okay. Yeah, fire away. Um, in terms of agents, would you recommend getting a separate agent for the book and another agent for the podcast or just one agent to oversee the whole thing? Boy, unless you can find somebody who specializes in both, I would have two. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. I didn't know there were agents for podcasts. Yeah, yeah apparently so. Apparently so. <laughs> That's what wow. happened. Yeah. Thank you, Kafui. Are you complete? You. Yes, yes. All done now. Thank you very much. And how, how about we go to Nate, who is who is wearing the party hat, new to clubhouse welcome why thank you yeah this is uh my first day really poking around clubhouse pretty interesting and uh thanks for having me um this is the first time i've heard of 
uh, your podcast. I'll have to check it out for sure. And uh, it's nice to meet you guys. Um, a question I had for Sam is uh, like, I write a lot and it's kind of like compulsively, like I'll just kind of write down notes just kind of as I go about my day. And at this point, like I've been doing it for a really long time and I've got like a huge collection of thoughts. So uh, what I was wondering is uh, when you were writing your book, um, is it something that you like, like it just occurred to you one day and you had the intent of like, I'm going to write this book about this thing and you sat down and just, you know, went after it or was it something more like a you know, long process of kind of like thinking and building the idea and then coming to a point of like, okay, now it's ready kind of a thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was probably more the latter. It was more, you know, like I said, it came out of a class that I had been teaching for some time. And, you know, people would say to me, oh, it should be a book or, oh, can I buy this somewhere? Or, you know, um, so yeah, it really evolved over time, which is why I say, yeah, trust trust the process. Um, it's a big thing with writers. I um, congr First of all, congratulations. Uh, sorry, for for uh, could, I, could I ask uh, what kind of class you were teaching? The, the Get It Done Workshop. So I was teaching it myself, like in a church basement in Van Nuys to like 11 people. <laughs> oh, right on. Yeah. And now it's, you know, now you can get it online and thousands and thousands of people have been through it. It's fantastic. Uh, but I had no idea that that's where this was all going at the time. Um, the, you know, I hear from a lot of writers who talk about how much they procrastinate and they're very hard on themselves because they're like, oh, I'm not writing, I'm not writing, I'm not writing. And what I always want to say is, no, no, you are writing. You're just not writing it down. Because writers yeah, write all the yeah. time inside of their mind. It's just what we do. So it's like, so congratulations to you for writing it down. That's excellent. Um, and now the problem you have is retrieval, right? So you need some way to organize your relevant thoughts and be able to retrieve them. And whether that's using an online system or taking pictures of your notes or voice memo apps or dating things or color coding, whatever works for you. Um, but understanding that there's a fair amount of writing that's just process that, you know, you're just writing notes for yourself, you're journaling, you know, that's, that's, that's not meant for anybody else's eyes other than your own. That's really just for you to have the experience of doing that. Um, mm -hmm. People are always like, oh, I don't want to, you know, get rid of my old journals. I'm like, why not? Nobody cares about a bunch of, you know, the, the, the object of journaling is not to have a bunch of completed journals. The object of journaling is the process of journaling. And once you're done doing it, I think, unless you're a very specific kind of person writing a very specific kind of memoir, you can probably just get rid of them. Um, uh, that's very cool. Like, because uh, I think I have uh, kind of an abundance of the first part of it, of just writing, 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 I'll write to myself, like, I mean, you know, several times a day, I'll be kind of like having developments of thought and writing them down. Um, but as far as like collecting and organizing and kind of piecing it together into, you know, a co cohesive, you know, piece, that, that's the part that, uh, that I need to figure I, out. I can tell you but, what, what I did, because what you're describing is how I started as a writer. I literally had this like secret private shoebox with all of my deep thoughts some were stories and some were poems and some, some were memoir. And literally there was a point where it was like a crossroads. Like I always wanted to be a writer. I always, and I thought that I needed some special talent that I didn't have. Um, so I had this secret shoebox. And quite literally there was a day where I, I let somebody read the work. 
And that person encouraged me to take a class. And then that person encouraged me to keep writing. And I kept sort of pursuing... uh, um, School isn't the right word because I wasn't really looking for schooling per se. What I was looking for was to sort of like build my storytelling ability. And so I took classes, uh, not so much because I thought they were going to teach me some sort of mystic thing, because very quickly I realized we're just all kind of figuring it out. Uh, What I needed was sort of like deadlines and due dates and things like Mm -hmm. that. And then once I had sort of, I started getting used to that deadlines and due dates kind of thing, the writing that got sort of like the strongest responses from teachers and other students, because frequently in creative writing workshops and things like that, you're going to be reading your work aloud and you're going to subject yourself to criticism. Sometimes people are very good at criticism. Sometimes they're just very blunt at criticism. So understand that, you know, my, my work was not everybody's cup of tea. But over time, I started getting a better sense of what was inspiring people to turn to the next page. And once I started getting that, all of a sudden, my story, as Sam was sort of pointing out, is that I kind of started letting myself go to the process, and more and more work started coming out of me that was really pertinent to to the subject. And that's what became, uh, for me, my finished memoir. So I, I hope that's useful to you, Nate. No, very cool. Thank you very much. I appreciate all of that. And uh, I do have my equivalent of the shoebox. Just <laughs> right. Just keep doing it, man. Keep Random doing notebooks it. and stuff. And thank you. That's Nate. awesome. Yeah. I mean, I gotta say, this is the first conversation I've participated in with Clubhouse. And uh, yay! Uh, well, yay. Done. well done. <laughs> I think this is a fantastic environment for conversations. So cool. All right. So uh, I, I think we have next up is David. Hey guys, this is a really interesting discussion. Uh, Samantha, I love hearing about your process, about how your book was published. Um, and it really resonates with me because I too spent a really long time writing a book. Um, you know, and part of that process was getting it into the, you know, in front of one of the top editors at New World and having it summarily rejected, mm. uh, which, you know, it turns out to be a really positive experience for me. You know, when you spend so much time writing a book, um, you need to have some rejection. And ultimately, I did find a publisher who I'm really happy to work with. Um, and it's just, you know, part of the process of, you know, really honing your work. But, you know, one question I did have for you all. So my book is coming out in August. And I've actually been kind of approaching my podcast with a, you know, from a novel direction. I've been, I created my podcast as a basically a six month before publishing promotion for my book mm-hmm. using new material that I've been writing since the book came out. And I'm wondering if you guys think this is a kind of a viable way to kind of gain attention for a book before it's actually released. Can you rephrase your question? I'm not sure if I understood it. So using a podcast rather than as a effort to monetize, using it as a, um, a, a way for readers to become excited about your work before it actually is available for them to purchase. Yeah, David, I, I have to say, I, I certainly hope so, because that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> So I am joining you in this experiment. I have a brand new podcast called Secrets of Highly Creative People. And I'm currently just in the 
uh, last bit of finishing the book proposal for Secrets of Highly Creative People. Um, but like you, I wanted to start getting this message out into the world. I wanted to be able to sort of test some of my ideas and see how people responded to it. Um, I wanted to I wanted to be able to demonstrate a little bit of a platform for it to say like, no, no, there's actually an audience for this. Uh, and so far, it's been a week. I mean, we dropped on Monday, um, but so far it's going quite well. So I say yes, thumbs up. And and especially <laughs> getting over the monetization thing, because monetizing a podcast is shockingly difficult. Uh, but building an audience, not so hard. Yeah, you know, I, I have my approach to my own podcast, and, and I did it every day for like nine months. Uh, and that was sort of like through my book launch and for my book launch. And really, I kind of had a woo-woo approach to it. And that approach was, I'm going to keep doing this because I want to promote my message. Um, and I want to promote the book. And I want to open myself up to the prospect of being a successful author and writer. So I didn't have a specific, oh, I want to make money. Oh, I want a particular thing. And maybe and maybe I should have had very specific goals for my podcast, but really what it was was, okay, universe, I'm putting myself out there as a writer and an author, and I'm going to talk about all the stuff that I've learned as a writer and an author. And on top of that, long before I became uh, sort of an author of a memoir, I was an editor of a travel publication. So I was constantly seeing people's writing and sort of understanding my own writing through some of the mistakes I saw and some of the things that I saw that were great. So I kind of just opened myself up flatly to the process of putting myself out there on a consistent basis. And sometimes that was thoughts about the Oxford comma. And sometimes that might be just me reading a couple pages from my memoir and seeing how it went. And I want to welcome Steve Olsher to the stage. He was the one who guided us into how to launch our first podcast, I think, way back in 2015. Um, and in response to your question, David, for my book launch, uh, we didn't have podcasts yet. We had telesummits. And I used that to launch my first solo book. And that book made $30,000 the first day, $50,000 the first month. And when you build excitement, you build an audience, people want to take you home. Now our strategy for Devin's second memoir is we launched a radio show podcast last April 1st, April Fool's Day, uh, Crazy Sexy Midlife Love, because Devin's second memoir is about relationship and, and our 100 Weddings in 100 Countries project. And so we're now getting over 20,000 downloads every single month to build our base for the launch of Devin's next book. Well, that's, that's amazing. I'm, I'm getting far, few, far fewer downloads than, than that. Um, but what, Devin, what you, what you said really resonated for me, you know, for writing my book, which is the name of the book is called Nurse Papa. It's, you know, my experiences as a parent and as a pediatric oncology nurse. It was really about kind of screaming into the void trying to see if I could find an audience that would care about, you know, the things that I find really important and that I do every day and making money off it has never been, you know, my goal, but I do understand that when your podcast or your book or whatever it is gains attention, that is kind of also a possibility and a kind of a marker of that you are reaching somebody. Yeah. I, you know, I, first off, you absolutely have a market for your book. 
Um, I think it's parents with children with certain kinds of illnesses. I think it's uh, other nurses and caretakers. Um, you know, one of the things that I was uh, guided to do was to literally make a list of the human beings, uh, you know, of, of different professions and, and society that might be interested in my message. So I had kind of a clear, like, these are the people I'm writing for. And so part of that was the podcasting, part of that was the writing, part of that was the discussion, because really it was about my message. And it sounds to me that that's exactly what you're attempting to do. So I would say, kind of sit down for 20 minutes and write down all the kinds of groups of people who might be interested in your book, and then start writing and directing your energy in your podcast towards those folks. And I think you're going to start, you know, again, it's hard because I think, you know, there's a lot of podcasts and a lot of people doing their thing out there more than ever before. And so, but I think the key word is just having fortitude and you just keep doing it over and over and be reliable about your, you know, uh, about your, um, about your story and your message and just keep doing it. Just, just do it. And David, please get on every parenting podcast. Like everybody cares about this and your medical background just makes it more compelling. And Samantha, wasn't, podcast tours like a really major part of your last successful book launch both of them yeah absolutely that's it's really the 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 keystone to to new world strategy is is podcast and internet radio interviews um and you know we did some print media we did a couple other things but mostly it was it was podcasts um which is great because you know you can do them from home and a lot of them i didn't even have to put on lipstick so (laughs) um but yeah, well, I, I definitely did not put on the lipstick this morning um, either. Um, but yeah, I have, um, I've been participating in lots of podcasts. I go do about three or four different interviews a month. Mostly they've been nursing podcasts because that's been, you know, my most accessible audience right so far. But mm-hmm. I have reached mm-hmm. out to quite a few parenting podcasts and it's definitely in my plan to do so. Great. Good for you. And it, make sure you've got some kind of opt-in. I mean, I know it's, like I said, it's really hard to get a podcast audience to do anything because um, it's just, you know, something that people passively consume. And they're also usually doing something else while they're listening, right? They're driving or doing dishes or, you know, working in the garden or going for a walk. Um, so they don't, there's nothing to click. They don't usually have a pen to write down and stuff. But if you can get a little opt-in like, hey, text the word, you know, uh, what'd you say, Papa? Nurse Papa? Nurse, Nurse Papa is the name of the book and the podcast. Right. So, so uh, text Nurse Papa to... Two three two three two three two, and I'll get you a free da 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 da. You know, sounds good. I definitely I'll give them your number. Okay. Yeah, please. <laughs> that, that's Thanks, guys. Excellent really advice. It. Take care, David. I'm going to reset the room again because we have a bunch of new people again. So welcome. You are listening to podcasting for authors. Our ex- extraordinary and exciting guest is Samantha Bennett. She is the best-selling author of Get It Done, From Procrastination to Creative Genius in 15 Minutes a Day, which Seth Godin called an instant classic, essential reading for anyone who wants to make a ruckus. (laughs) And her latest book is Start Right Where You Are, How Little Changes Can Make a Big Difference for Overwhelmed Procrastinators, Frustrated Overachievers, and Recovering Perfectionists, both published by New World Library. And this is your chance to like get all the secrets. Like, how do you get an amazing publisher like New World Library, who uses podcasting, and to like have best-selling hits like Samantha's books, which I've literally seen in airports, which is so exciting. It's like, oh my god, that's my friend. Um, 
This room meets every Sunday at 10 a.m. It is recorded, so if you come up and ask your questions, and we want you to, just know that you are being recorded and you consent. Uh, the room is hosted by Club Pod. If you like this material, this kind of room, then just join the club uh, with the greenhouse at the top. And please, please, please follow all of the moderators at the, the top of the screen. We are all best-selling authors and podcasters and, you know, we just want to help, especially Samantha. Um, I didn't check to see if you had any way for people to follow up with you after, after today. Uh, yes, you do. Find her at therealsambennett.com. So can you tell us more about how to effectively, given that people listening to podcasts are less likely to take the next step, what, and yet it was so successful for you. What are the secrets? Oh, golly. Um, <laughs> what are the secrets? Um, I mean, I think one of the reasons it worked really well for me is I, I speak about a very specific subject, right? I talk about creativity and mostly to highly creative people. Highly creative people, and in fact, the creative class in general are really under addressed. Like people aren't, there's not a lot geared to them. They're not people, there's not a lot of people talking to them. Um, there's just not a lot of bandwidth given to them. Um, which is fine because, you know, mostly they're mostly like everybody else, except in a very few specific ways in which they're totally weird. And so if you can sort of call those out, people start to feel seen and heard. And if you can, you know, say stuff in a way that makes people kind of raise their hand and go, oh, my gosh, she's talking to me. Then now you've set the hook. Now they're much more engaged with you. Now they're really interested. Now they will follow up. Now they will go look up your book on Amazon. They will tune into your podcast. They will, you know, look for you in other places and follow you on social media. Um, but you really got to be singing their song. How do you know what song to sing? Talk How to them. You... Okay. Talk to them, talk to them, talk to them, talk to them. Almost everything I do, um, like if I'm going to have a little free something, something, or even I do a free Facebook Live every Thursday on the Secrets of Highly Creative People Facebook page, um, and I'll ask them, what's on your mind? What's your problem? What's getting in your way? Where are you stuck? And the more I use the language that they use in my responses, the more active they get. So then I can just turn around, write around and write an email about like, here's what's keeping you stuck. You feel this way. You know, you feel like your nose is pressed up against the glass. You feel frustrated. Like, why can't I get there? You feel, um, you know, and, and again, this is true of, of marketing language, but it's also just true of writing in general. The more vivid you can be, the better, right? There's way too many of you out there going like, oh yeah, I'm a health coach. Well, that doesn't mean anything to anybody. And even if you say, oh, I'm a health coach and I work with, you know, women over 50. Mm, okay. But if you say, you know, oh, okay, or even I'm a health coach. I work with women over 50 on, you know, energy, emotionality, and sex drive or something. Mm, okay. Again, a little more specific, definitely. But if you say, look, you know how your favorite pants don't fit anymore? And you know how you burst into tears in the frozen food aisle the other day for no reason at all? And you know how you haven't had sex since that trip to Cabo that went so weird? Like, that's what I do. <laughs> that's who I help. 
And now you've got your target market raising their hands going, oh, she knows me. Oh, he gets me. Beautiful. So in that way, you kind of created an avatar or or a target for who your audience is. And it's precise, which I think is fantastic. And I I hope David's still listening because I think that's going to be really useful for him. Yeah, yeah. I get I get emails almost every day from people going, Do you have a camera in my house? I'm like, well, maybe I do, but no. <laughs> it's <laughs> hey, really and if you're in the audience and you're loving this, please hit the plus sign and bring in your friends if you know anybody who could benefit from this conversation. And because totally, your friends are the coolest. That's right. And and so I think Dominic has been waiting patiently. Dominic, do you have a question? Um, I do. Thank you so much for having me. This is a, a amazing conversation uh, and just kudos to all of you guys on the panel and everybody in the room uh, on your amazing success. Uh, my name is Dominic Lawson. I'm the creator host of the Startup Life podcast. I have kind of a two part question. Uh, when you're getting pitches for people to come on, whether it be a podcast or a TV network show, I guess, what are some of those things you're looking in that pitch, looking for in that pitch? to decide, you know, this would be a good fit, good fit for me and my book to come on that show. And then once you go on that show, what are you looking for as far as like, uh, you know, uh, being the best advocate for you and your book? Is it talking about the book heavily and just only the book or is it just the book and maybe some other stuff? I guess I was just curious about that. That's a great question, Dominic. Um, for me, the, the thing that helps me decide whether or not I'm going to do a podcast or an appearance or a summit or whatever is if I feel like the person is actually familiar with my work and is asking me for, for a specific reason. Right. So if I get, you know, I had one guy reach out to me recently and he's like, Hey, I've noticed that our books often show up together on the Amazon searches of, if you like this, you might also like that. Maybe we should partner on something. And I was like, good strategic thinking. Yes, let's do that. And it was super successful. Um, You know, if I get emails from people going, oh, I'm just doing a summit and I think it'd be really great. And it's going to be really great. And all these people are really great. And let's do this thing. I'm like, I don't know you. You clearly don't seem to care very much about me. Um, But when I get something to say, oh, I've been on your list for a while. I've read your book. I'm friends with your friend Morgana, you know, whatever the build up the relationship a little bit first and then say, and here's what I'm doing. And here's why, here's what's in it for you, Sam. Like I have an audience of a hundred thousand. I have an audience of this. They're a small audience, but they're really engaged, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, kind of let me know what's in it for me. And if those two things are there, if, if I feel like you're actually, you know, it's a little, you know, it's like buying a girl a drink at a bar. If I feel like you're just buying a drink for everybody, then I'm not that interested. <laughs> but if you come up and they're specifically interested in me, then I'm more likely to be interested in you. Yeah. I, you know, as a, as as an editor, I have been for the last seventeen years approached by people who clearly have never been to my site, and mm-hmm. they don't know that it's about travel, and they don't know that it's about personal experience, and they don't know that it's about international destinations. And I get queries every single day from somebody who clearly just pulled me off of a list and wrote everybody the same letter. And that happened when I was doing podcasts and interviewing writers as well that clearly somebody had never listened to the podcast, clearly somebody. So it was really not so much what am I looking for. It's almost like 
I can X out a certain amount of people right off the bat because I just don't want to serve that sort of like, hey, I'm throwing, I'm throwing a penny into the well and I'm hoping it's going to attract some noise or something. Um, so when I got a letter, as Sam was just describing, somebody who had clearly say, hey, I listened to your episode of such and such and such and such, and this is how I fit in, and I think I can help your audience accomplish X, right? Something that is written specifically to me for my audience, now I'm inspired. Whereas, so I, I, I think that's kind of probably the, the thing to do is that you start getting, and, and I think <coughs> this is true of resumes. You know, if you want to work for a particular company, I think you write to that company what they do, how they do it, and what you like about them as an opening salvo. As you, you know what I mean? Like you get that thing going by inspiring people. And for me, that makes like, if nothing else, even if somebody's wrong, like they don't quite fit in, um, I might go to them because I liked what they were trying to do. I might go to them and say, hey, I have an angle that might work for you on my show. Do you want to have a five-minute conversation about that? I have a little bit of a... Go go ahead, Morgana. Oh, there's a second half to the question also, which is once you're on the show, do you make it all about the book? Once I'm on the show, the interview goes where the interview goes. It's not my interview. It's not my book. I surrender to the present moment. <laughs> so, but that's me. I'm an improviser. I like things loose. I like things real. Um, other people, no, they only want to talk about the book. They only want to tell their five stories that they're telling all the time, you know. But no, I'll talk about anything. And I like to talk about anything. I, I'm definitely, as a guest, I'm definitely sort of like roll with them. In other words, if somebody wants to just dive in and talk about my book, I'm happy to do that. And if they have a particular thing where uh, I can provide service to their audience, then I'm going to go with that. And again, it's I think you just roll with it because frequently what we're doing, especially on a podcast and what we're doing right now, we're just having a conversation. We're just going to talk about it. We're going to throw out some ideas. Hopefully people listening are going to go, oh, yeah, no, that works for me. I can use that. And I think you just run with it. Well, the bigger theme I'm hearing from both of you is that you're serving the show. Always. Yeah. And I think you just have to be flexible. I was I was on Coast to Coast Radio a couple of years ago, and I did my usual pitch, and I could hear that it wasn't landing. And I pivoted because I knew that the interviewer was interested in cer certain things. So I went in a totally different direction, and that's what got me on the show. Yeah. I will tell you a, a happy story about reaching out because I think there's a little bit of, um, oh, I don't know, sort of mystical alignment of things. I mean, I think so when you're sending out those pitches, um, you know, I said before when I'm writing, I don't, I don't do anything special around my writing. I don't light a candle. I don't say a prayer. I don't do anything. But when I send an email, particularly an inquiry like that, or I'm asking for a favor or even sending a broadcast to my list, I stop and say a little prayer then. And like, does this feel right? Is now the right time to send this? Is this, you know, and just say a little blessing, like that this is going to be received by whoever needs to, re -receive, to receive it in whatever way it needs to be received. Um, and a sprinkling that little bit of fairy dust on, I think really, I don't know, it helps me anyway. <laughs> um, uh, and I will tell you, I, I'm sure you guys get this too. Like on LinkedIn, you get 9 billion people going like, 
hey, I saw your profile. I would like to connect with you. I help authors and speakers do blah, 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 blah. blah. And I'm like, stop it. Who is teaching the strategy? This is a terrible strategy. Like, I don't know you. What are you asking me for? This is ridiculous. Can I get on your calendar? No, you can't get on my calendar. I don't know you. So I'm all, I'm having a whole fit about all these people who keep pinging me on LinkedIn. And then this guy pings me on LinkedIn and sends this three sentence message that says, hey, Sam, I've checked out some of your videos and I'm wondering if you would like to sell online courses on other platforms like lynda.com. LinkedIn Learning, Udemy, et cetera. If so, love to chat. There's no sales pitch. It's just a talk. Sincerely, Brad. Brad. And I'm like... I would respond. Totally. I was like, as it happens, I would like to sell my courses on other platforms. Thank you very much for asking. Um, so I looked him up a little bit. Turns out he's local. Uh, he lives not very far from me. We got on the phone and got along like a house of fire. I have now done four or five videos for them um, to LinkedIn learning. One of them LinkedIn learning got super excited about it's called time management for busy people. And they made it their new and noteworthy class that week. So all of a sudden I am immediately in the top three LinkedIn learning classes that week. I mean, I'm not right now. Um, and like 37,000 people have seen it all over the world. And I'm having businesses now ping me like, hey, can you do a time management training for us? I'm like, why? Yes, I can. So, you know, it, it can work. <laughs> things, sometimes things work. I, I, I love hearing stories like that because I think that's what we're looking to do. We're looking to sort of maximize our opportunities and go out there. Uh, Dominic, was that helpful? No, th thank you so much. That's, that was extremely helpful. A lot of times uh, on our show, I'm able to get people on just for the sheer, I'm, I showed the excitement that I have for what they do. And I was just trying to see if I can do just a little bit more. And also like once they get on the show, how I can be an advocate for uh, them and their book and what they do to not only serve um, our audience, but also uh, to serve the author or whoever else uh, comes on the show. I, I always try to look at it as a 50-50 proposition. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's great. Thanks so much, Dominic. And also, Dominic, just Thank you. any other points of connection you have, like, oh, I'm from Chicago, too. Or, oh, I noticed you said you're an eldest child. I'm an eldest child, too. Or, you know, I have also been married four times. Whatever. <laughs> Understood. Thank you so much. You bet. Uh, Donna, thanks for waiting. And no. if anybody else wants to ask a question, just hit your hand down at the bottom. Uh, to raise your quest to raise your hand and we'll bring you up. Uh, please pull to refresh the room by hitting the top and pulling down and ping your friends the more the merrier by hitting the plus sign and just adding some people to the room. Thank you. Hi, Hi everyone. Hi Donna. Hi Donna. Hey, hey Samantha, <laughs> well first and foremost, I gotta tell you you have like the best name on the planet. I like it so much that I named my own daughter that name. Oh, yay. Hooray for the Sams. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, she much prefers Sam as well. It's pretty funny. So um, without going into my big old long pitch about my book, let me just kind of tell you where I'm at. I, uh, it started as a, a very personal journal um, when I was diagnosed with PTSD and I was going through a period where I was trying to kind of like sort of like doing the why me, you know, all the things mm -hmm. I've been through and and 
trying to figure it all out. And plus I was having a lot of problems with my memory. So I was, it was recommended that I journal and I've always loved writing. I journaled a lot as a teenager. I just kind of with as being a busy mom and career woman and, you know, it just kind of stopped somewhere along the way. And so I was like, yeah, I can journal. I I don't, I I love to write. So I kind of got started in putting the pieces of the puzzle, as I like to call it, of my life together on paper. And I sent it to a very close, trusted friend and said, what do you think? And he said, I think that if you could uh, find it, you know, if you were comfortable with it, he goes, I think if you shared this, you could probably help a whole lot of people because there's a lot of people suffering in silence with PTSD who don't even want to accept the fact that they have PTSD because it's got such a a bad stigma. Oh, they're crazy. You know, they're going to be mass murderers. They're, you know, they're going to go on a killing rampage. They're unstable. (laughs) You know, and I know for me, I was terrified of losing my job as a first responder. If, if my employer found out, I already had 17 years on the job mm-hmm. without any discipline or any black marks of any kind. So I was like, you know, I sat on it for a while and then I dawned on me that I have a friend that's a New York times bestselling author and been published over 20 times. So we served in the military together and I sent it to him and I said, Don, I, I think I wrote a book. Would you take a look at my manuscript, you know, at, at what I've got? And he goes, yeah, absolutely. Send it. So a couple of weeks later, he emailed me back and he goes, you have definitely written a book. He's like, you need to find an editor, you know, because of course, you know, mm-hmm. little things never edit your own book. So I found an editor. Um, it happened to be one of my daughter's teachers who did it on the side for a, a self-publishing company. It was just like everybody, like every time I turned around, like there was just something there that was easily accessible to me without me even having to search for it. So that told me that maybe it was meant to be. So I did that. And then um, my... So Donna? Yes, ma'am. I am loving all of this. And what is the question question? there? How can we help you? (laughs) So my question is this. It's been doing extremely well on my own. I've sold 200 copies alone off my website. It's been downloaded a bunch of times on Amazon. The reviews have been fantastic. But... I'm trying to figure out how to get to the next level. How do I get it available in stores? Like how do I walk into a Barnes and Noble or, or whatever retailer and see it on their shelf? That's, that's where I'm, I'm kind of like fantastic reviews. Everything's great, but how do I get to that next big level? Well, that's an interesting question. First of all, congratulations on all your hard work and on writing a book that I agree will help a lot of people. Um, there, I will say there are some bookstores, local bookstores, and even your, your local Barnes and Noble who might have a a shelf of local authors. So it may be that just your specific Barnes and Noble might be willing to buy, you know, five copies of your book to put on their shelf, which just would be awesome. Just be cool for you. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Exactly. I don't know that they'll do that. I've certainly done that with local, with independent bookstores have absolutely done that. When I, my first book came out, I just drove around to some of the local gift shops and bookstores and was like, hi, I'm a local author. Would you like to buy these books? And they did, Um, you know, five and 10 at a time, but sure. Why not? Right. Right. Um, You know, it's, it's a bit of a jump to go from having self-published a book to getting traditionally published. Um, in general, you need to sell a lot of copies, like many tens of thousands, I'm going to say, 
before they're going to go, oh, this book has an audience, we're interested, let's buy the rights to it and publish it. Um, so would you recommend that? Sell that it you to a publisher? Well, I mean, again, right now, you're not in a good position to sell to a publisher because it's already, it's already published. Right. And while 200 is fantastic, it's not well, down, It downloaded 1,600 times on Amazon on the 15th. It was number one in military biographies. Yeah, no, and all, and all that's great. So I would just say keep going with what you're doing. I would get speaking gigs. I would just keep selling the book independently. That's just sort of my free advice. Um, yeah. Just keep plugging away. Donna? Mm-hmm. Yes, I, ma'am? I would, and I, I can recommend to you, the number one media trainer mm. for best-selling authors is named Joel D. Roberts, and you can find him online. Uh, and, you know, he, he trained all the chicken soup guys, you know, just all the, uh, and I, I would recommend that you start pitching yourself to radio, like do lots of guest podcasts, anything about military, anything about healing, anything about PTSD, do internet radio. Like you can do a lot of what Samantha's publisher did for her. You just need to like get your hook down to 30 seconds and have a hook that grabs the listener by the throat that they have to hear more. And Joldie Roberts is really, really good for that because that's his magic. But I see you like being on everything for Veterans Day or when PTSD is in the news. You know, people, we care. We care on so many levels. And I really think that if you want to sell your book big, you can be on Good Morning America. If you're, and if you publish through Ingram, any bookstore can order your mm-hmm. book because they can return it. And yeah, start I did getting, go through Ingram. Yeah, perfect. Ding, ding, ding. So what you want is you want people on TV and on the radio asking their bookstores for your book. And okay. get everybody, get, send everybody to a URL where they can opt in and get on your mailing list so that then when you want a publisher, you've got your mailing list of 50,000 people. That's my, my advice. Yeah, I would kind of go with that. And, and I try not to think about the books as, because the books are a commodity, Right, So if you got them into all of the Barnes and Nobles, that would be great unless you can't sell them because then what will happen is Barnes and Noble will just send them back to you or the publisher or to whomever. So really what you want to do is kind of just think in terms of this as sort of like a war of attrition. In other words, you have a message to share that that message happens to be in a book. So I would promote the message and you're much better off having somebody, I believe, in my humble opinion, somebody walking into a Barnes and Noble into Cincinnati and say, hey, I want to buy this book because they'll order the book. They will absolutely get, they will sell a book. That's their job. But if you're just thinking, well, I'll get my book into Barnes and Noble, it's a great book. And then Barnes and Noble, people working at Barnes and Noble will know your book in the 80,000 other books. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. And this was the conversation I had with my publisher uh, at the time. And so it really became what Samantha was talking about is I went into a lot of books, certainly my local bookstores, and I got my books into local bookstores, and I sent local people to those local stores to buy my book. That's what I did. When I went on book tours, 
uh, I did the exact same thing. When I was in Chicago, I went into a half a dozen bookstores there, and they all took a couple of copies. But then, of course, part of my job became, let me, let me remind my Chicago people that these, these are places where they can pick up my book. Okay, that's great. I have tried that a little bit, but COVID's been a little bit in the way. I'm sure it has for everybody, but I have been able to do some book signings. I've got one coming up at the beginning of the March, and then one lady wants to put me on a book tour in Texas this summer. I'm just praying that COVID will allow. So, um, But I definitely appreciate that input. It's good to know that I've been kind of on the right track and not spinning my wheels. So thank you very much. And as Samantha was saying earlier, virtual book tours really, mm-hmm. really work. How does that work again? It can work in a lot of different ways. It can work just as a webinar. It can work where you go around visiting book groups. Um, there's a lot of online book clubs that will have you in to, to speak. Um, okay. okay. You know, there's, uh, you can, you know, Morgana was talking about creating a summit um two you can do it with a bunch of other authors and sort of do a group group thing there's really no limit to what it can look like and it's one of the exciting things about being in publishing right now is there isn't really a right way there's just kind of your way um but certainly there's a plenty of you know especially for you because you've got such a specific um background you know you can you have access to all those moms in the military military families the you know veterans first associations responders. first responders like there's a ton of stuff you know there's a ton of you can find those people right they're interested in certain things they go to certain places they read certain magazines they listen to certain podcasts they belong to certain facebook groups like you can find them okay i've yeah. got a publicist that's helping me out because i am so technically challenged that it's like some i'm still learning instagram for example sure but, um but I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to mention that to him and see if he can put something like that for me together. I really, really appreciate the idea. Yeah. I'll tell you too, just, just again, in terms of inspiring stories and like sometimes things actually work out. Um, my book was, both my books were carried by Barnes and Noble. They still are. And, uh, but they were published just in trade paperback. Right. And a couple of years ago, I get a book, a box at the door and I open it up and it's got get it done hardcover and I open it up and I'm just sitting there going what 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 that's what? awesome what <laughs> and Luke comes in and he's like honey what's going on he says I've never seen this look on your face before I'm like I've never had this look on my face before I don't know what this is my book was not published in hardcover what the hell and so I you know do a little <laughs> I'm opening it up I'm looking at the imprint I'm like what is this and what had happened is that Barnes and Noble had bought the hardcover rights to my book and had published it and put it in their, um, their January, uh, you know, inspiration page, uh, or I mean, table, you know, that table they have right up in front every month. And of course, and this is so typical of publishing, my publisher didn't even let me know that this was happening. <laughs> I wouldn't have known. It, it's made, it's in my contract that they have to send you editions of the book when it gets published in foreign languages wow. or whatever, whatever. So I didn't even know what had happened. And um, yeah, that's so, so there cool. you go. That's it's a cool. Super cool moment. Yeah, that's awesome. Donna, did you, did you get it? Uh, did you get some good stuff? I did. I did. Thank you so much, guys. I really, really appreciate it. 
Uh, our pleasure, okay, and, quick... and Samantha's great. What were you about to oh, say, Morgana? Amazing. Quick refresh, because we have a lot of new people in the room. So please pull to refresh the room by sticking your finger at the top and pulling down. You are listening to Podcasting for Authors. Right now we are interviewing the spectacular Samantha Bennett, who is the author of Get It Done, From Procrastination to Creative Genius in 15 Minutes a Day, and Start Right Where You Are, How Little Changes Can Make a Big Difference for Overwhelmed Procrastinators, Frustrated Achievers, and Recovering Perfectionists by New World Library. Podcasting, a podcasting book tour was a huge factor in both of her book launches, and she's also launched her own podcast, what is the name of your po- your new podcast? Secrets of Hi- Secrets of Highly Creative People, which is also going to be an upcoming book. So Samantha is just spilling all these amazing secrets about the writing process, the book launching process, the just gems, gems, gems. So if you have a question, please raise your hand and come up on the stage. Uh, If you have writer and podcaster friends, please add them to the room by hitting the plus sign. If you are digging this content, uh, we are here, Devin and I are here holding podcasting for authors every Sunday at 10 a.m. Please follow all the moderators on the top uh, with the little green stars and Join Club Pod, especially if you're into podcasts. Join Club Pod. It's the biggest podcasting-themed club in Clubhouse just by hitting the green house at the top and, and joining the club. That's, uh, that's all great stuff. And uh, I've, by the way, I just love having Samantha here. She is a, a, just a fountain of wisdom. This is right? like really, no, it's amazing. It's really amazing <laughs> Thanks, stuff. Thanks, guys. Oh, uh, good. So, uh, Linda... Thank you for your patience. Uh, do you have a question? Hello, hello. First of all, thanks so much for bringing me up to the stage and letting me ask a question. I saw the uh, title, Podcasting for Authors, and, and thought, I'll pop in here and see what this is all about, because I haven't launched my podcast yet, but I've um, interviewed several people. It's called Women Action Takers. I'll be launching it in March. And so I'm kind of coming from the opposite perspective and my question is from the opposite side um i don't have any books that are for women action takers yet but i like i'm working on two different collaborative books right now and those collaborative books are not called women action takers so my question really comes from a different perspective that um, after i launch these two books that i'm currently working on I am going to create the Women Action Takers series of books. So one of the first ones I have in mind is Women Action Takers with Healing Hands, because I find I connect with a lot of people who are in the healing space, so I want to share their stories. So my question is, is there a way to incorporate the books that I'm currently working on to launch into my podcast that hasn't launched? <laughs> so. It's kind of a weird question, I'm, I'm sure, but I, I just love to hear your thoughts on that, your perspective on that. So kind of what's coming, first of all, congratulations, great work. Yes, do what you're doing. <laughs> just first of all that. Um, the thing that sort of pops into my head is I wonder if rather than a book, they're not booklets, you know, little books, chapter books, um, especially if you're publishing, self-publishing online, there's no reason that it has to be a you know, 70,000 word 
thing. Um, and in fact, what I'm noticing more and more is that people really love short form. They're, they're, they feel pressed for time. They feel like, okay, if I can get a little bit of inspiration here in 20 minutes, or if I can read a little bit um, with a very specific outcome, that that's, that's kind of attractive to people. And then you can start to, again, grow the audience that way. And you can use them to cross-pollinate each other, right? So you can have the booklet say, hey, you know, start listening to the podcast. And on the podcast, you can say, hey, you know, if you become a Patreon um, sponsor, you can get the booklet for free or, you know, or just buy the booklet. And one of the things I was going to sort of tack on to that just from my personal experience is that, you know, what I ended up doing uh, for Writing Daily, which was my daily podcast, is I would certainly talk about all kinds of things under the sun, everything that pertained to writing, and I would sort of, I would refer to my book because that's what I was doing. I was writing my book. So as a writer, I talked about writing and I talked about my process of writing and the kinds of problems I ran into and how I solved them in terms of being a writer and was referring to my book often. In other words, I wasn't trying to sell my book per se, but what I did was I talked about it as part of the overall umbrella of the process of writing. And that was my experience. For our crazy, sexy midlife love show, which is getting over 20,000 downloads a month. And I, I keep saying that because I just can't believe it. It's so me. cool, Morgana. It's so right? cool. That's amazing. Yeah, it's totally ridiculous. Uh, we just, because we aren't really selling anything on the show yet, we're kind of just building a platform for an idea and a movement that will really support Devin's next book. So what we do in every episode is we send people to our website, crazysexymidlifelove.com, to join the Crazy Sexy Midlife Love family and download Devin's free ebook, Women Are Smarter Than Men. And because they are. <laughs> True. To build, <laughs> build the family so we have fans before the book. We have a mailing list. We know who our people are so that they get to be the first ones to to get access to the book. They get to be the special family and the messengers for us. We mm -hmm. Linda, is that helpful for you? It is. It's all helpful. Thank you so much. And so, Samantha, I just have a clarifying question um, from what I was picturing in my mind is that if I understand what you were saying is the recommendation would be from each podcast episode is to create a booklet. Is that kind of what you were saying? Ooh, that isn't what I was saying, but that would that could be cool. Oh, um, that's what no, I heard. I just, isn't that interesting? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting idea. No, I was just thinking about, you know, it sounded like you were sort of thin slicing some of your topics, right? So women in action with healing hands, women in action, you know, in the boardroom, women in action, first responders, whatever it is, um, that you could do uh, a subject by subject or or target market by target market booklet, sort of reinterpreting your message for each audience. Oh, I gotcha. And, and just so you know, I reached out to you on Instagram and I sent you one of those long messages that you're going to ignore. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I won't ignore it. Thank you. But I'm glad no, you I, said something because I, frankly, I do not check Instagram very often. So I'm, I'm glad you said it. Yeah, I sent you a message because I had a, have a Women Action Takers networking event and I would love for you to come in and, and talk about this topic because I think it's really important for, you know, for everybody, but, you know, especially us women that, you know, we need to have that safe space and, and hear from you. So I want to thank you all very much for this information and I just I love the idea of the booklets 
something I would never, ever have considered because it just never came to mind. So I'm definitely going to take that under my wing and run with it. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, my pleasure. And that's great. Yes, let's definitely talk about the networking thing. And so see, everybody, see what she did there? See what she did there? <laughs> she connected with me. She let me know what was going on. She has a topic that I'm interested in. She's pinging me on Instagram. I'll probably do her thing, right? <laughs> yeah, you. there you go. That's, you know, people act like success is some big magical thing that nobody can get except the people who already have it. And it's just not true. You kind of have, but you have to lift your head up high enough so that success can find you. You also you know, have, to, you gotta, you have to take action. Yeah, you got to be in the room, be in this room. <laughs> Start you got to be a woman action taker. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Show up. Show up. Anyway, thank you so much, Linda. Uh, we you. go now to Nancy, who's been also, everybody's been waiting really patiently. Thank you so much for your consideration, everybody. So nice. Well, thank you for uh, bringing me up. I'm Nancy Smith. I'm a collaborative divorce lawyer, and I'm working on shifting the paradigm of divorce away from bitterness and resentment, shame and blame, and toward emerging healthy and wholehearted instead of bitter and resentful. And I'm a, I so appreciate being here, like the whole idea of showing up, being in this room. Clubhouse is an amazing opportunity to hear from people that are out there um, just being so generous with your time and your energy and your insights and your experience. So I really do appreciate that. And my question, I was listening earlier. And so I guess, ironically, I'm not actually an author yet or a podcaster. Um, I've been on a couple of podcasts as a guest, which I really enjoy. Um, and my book is with my, I have an agent. <laughs> so, cause in my mind, I thought I would start, I wanted to do it traditionally. I, for some reason, I'm not sure if it's my ego now, it's three years ago, but I've been sitting around waiting for something to happen. And it's got me, kind of bummed and I'm wondering, you know, on our take action theme that we've been discussing, um, this whole idea of having a podcast agent that somebody mentioned. And I wonder if you could speak to that and, you know, how do you find one or is that really a thing or do podcasters like, cause you guys, and by the way, congratulations on the success of your podcast. And I love that idea that you said, Morgana, about building the platform for an idea and a movement and building your family and, and building your base so that when you do have your book, ready to go um you've got your you've got your network and then your publisher kind of knows that you're serious and you've got your platform established so any suggestions about that like um getting into the podcasting world and do you you know do you yeah do you really do you do it all by yourself like it, it sounds like it's a full-time job to kind of do this um in addition to your day job so i'm just wondering if agents are, are podcast agents and people who can get you on you know doing these Facebook lives, LinkedIn learning, podcasts, you know, virtual book tu tours, webinars, online book clubs. Like I would totally do any of those things. I just don't know exactly how to get, you know, line them all up. So yeah. Thanks. Great, great question, Nancy. First of all, hooray for you and the work you do. I have often said that I consider myself, um, you know, as a, as a pioneer in the field of loving amicable divorce. I've been divorced twice and I love all my husbands. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a big fan. It's a, I mean, divorce is, uh, somebody said it to me the first time I got divorced, they said, you know, divorce is like graduate school and being a person. I was like, yeah. I, I, yeah, I support that. It's tough um, to put the bitterness and the anger and the sadness and the loss of, of all your dreams and identities and put yeah. that, you know, go back to the love of why you were there originally together and, and how you're going to handle yourselves. Uh, right. And what forward. you learned and what kind of person you want to be. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Um, so 
as far as podcast agent, like I said, this this pod, this morning was the first time I'd ever heard of that either. Although it makes perfect sense to me. Um, I, and and it's true. You know, we're we're talking about a lot of different ways and a lot of different sort of arms that you can put on your on your marketing efforts. And at the beginning, it does feel really overwhelming because it is. And things feel overwhelming when it when it just seems like everything's coming at you with the same level of intensity, right? So it's hard to pick. So I would do some real discernment about where is your audience? What are they doing? You know, are they podcast listeners or are they more readers or are they more radio listeners or are they more, you know, what's what's where are they already gathering, right? And, and I would double down on just at least start with just one, like whether it's a Facebook page or a podcast or a group or a whatever, you know, membership, whatever it is. Um, it'll also depend a little bit on whether or not you need this to make money. Um, I have always bootstrapped everything. So I've always needed everything to make money. I could never afford to do something just to take the time to grow the audience. Um, so that was always a factor in my decision making as well. Um, so my the thing was email. You know, I doubled down on email. I built my email list. That's still pretty much up until this last year. That was almost the only marketing I did was email. And then these podcast tours for the books. But um, so it's really, and then it's finding the the format that works for you. You know, do you, do you love talking? Do you love podcasting? Do you love being on camera? Do you love teaching groups? Do you love, you know, do the thing that you adore doing? Because believe me, you're going to be doing a lot of it. Um, <laughs> and uh and then it's a lot of trial and error, you know? Um, I had somebody ask me recently in, in a very, very nice way, but they said, you know, gosh, Sam, it seems like things just happen so effortlessly for you. And they're like, things just drop in your lap. And I was like, really? <laughs> does it really look like that? I mean, I guess I'm glad it looks like that, but I can tell you right now, it does not feel like that on the inside. Um, and I said, well, to answer your question sincerely, the fact of the matter is I say yes to a lot of things and a lot of things don't work out, but some things do. So at the beginning, you kind of have to say yes to everything and then figure out what you're really great at and what really works and then double down on that. I guess that's my advice. Yeah, I, I, I'm absolutely there because I personally like I remember when I started doing my own research for all of this, there was a million things that I could have done. Uh, one of the things that I was comfortable with, I was comfortable with having a conversation. So I put myself on every single podcast and I found sort of like I found out about their podcasts and I researched uh, who they were, what they what their angles were and how I could reasonably fit in to provide service and value to their audience. Because uh, I was willing to do that. I'm not the kind of person who's going to like, oh, I ate a pizza today. Here's a pizza, uh, a picture of the pizza I ate at three o'clock. And then put 40 pictures of a pizza on Instagram. I won't do that, much probably to my wife's dismay. But I will, I will have a conversation. I will, I'm willing to talk. I'm willing to, uh, I'm willing to podcast, uh, you know, as a host and just have a conversation about writing. I'm willing to do what I'm doing right now. But, you know, in terms of like things like social media, that's not my strength. So I couldn't put that on there. And even when I did, it was just sort of like a failure and more of a learning experience of like, okay, this isn't my, this isn't my go-to thing. You know, I'll wake up on Sunday morning and let's have a conversation and let's talk writing. And let's, you know, I'll listen to Samantha Bennett all day long. She's freaking amazing. Um, so, but that's kind of where I roll. So I think what you probably 
should consider doing, Nancy, is just kind of making a list of the things that make sense for you to do and then go after two or three of them with wild abandon. And if you find you have energy to do more, then throw another piece into the mix. See how it goes. Yeah, Nancy, I've coached thousands of women over the last three decades. Women do like audio platforms. So they do like to listen to things like podcasts or clubhouse while picking up the kids, while washing the dishes, while, while multitasking. So if your audience is women, podcasting might be, or, or internet radio might be a good direction for you to go. And a lot of it has to do also with how you promote the podcast, being like regular with it, rain or shine, no matter what, you never, ever miss your appointment. Having a lot of hashtags that go back to, that are really going to, your people are going to find your women are searching the internet for key phrases. Uh, I think it's such a great, great, great topic. Having a press release, you know, so that the media is talking about what you do and what, what your podcast addresses and then giving really, really good value. And podcasts don't have to be long. Samantha was, you know, really addressing like people like to consume short. So you may want to have, you can, you get to play with what feels good to you. Maybe it's a half hour podcast, maybe some episodes are 15 minutes, maybe some episodes are an hour. Maybe you have like expert guests. Like, wow, you know, I've been thinking we should get John Gray on our show because we have a connection to him. That would also be very appropriate to you, like anything relationship-oriented. But as Sam was saying, it's really easy to burn out because everything feels like it has equal urgency. And podcasting is not a quick thing. It's, it is a, it's a long game. Uh, I would also definitely for you look at being a guest on other podcasts and radio shows, driving traffic to your own podcast and your own web page on all this other media uh, to build brand awareness for what you do. Is any of this helpful, Nancy? Oh, all of it is, of course. Thank you all so much. I appreciate it. And I appreciate the follow the love piece and, you know, stay for me to be in my zone of where I actually feel comfortable and what is going to give the most value to people. And um, so I do appreciate all that. Um, but you didn't follow up on that podcast agent idea. Is it real or like, I could just Google it. I guess None but- of us have a podcast <laughs> agent. Like, okay. <laughs> I'm sure it will be something at some time. Uh, also by happy coincidence, the three of us here on the moderators line are like refugees of the entertainment in- industry. Maybe Samantha's not a refugee. I think she's still part of it. But Devin and I like ran screaming from it into each other's arms. So the idea of, of an agent that isn't necessary, like, oh, my God, book agent? Hell yeah. Podcast agent? I just don't, I don't see the necessity. Gotcha. Because none Thank of you. us have one. Gotcha. I, I think once agents figure out how to make money with podcasts, I think all of a sudden you're going to start hearing about them more. But I think a lot of podcasts have been very, very successful just by providing great content. I appreciate that. And it's good to do the, you know, do the, as you said, do the research, be authentic, find out who's doing what, 
in a space that would be valuable and then you know, making a connection that way. So I appreciate your time very much. Thank you so much, I'm done. And quickly resetting the room. Um, also because this goes towards serving you and, and everybody else here who is, you know, in the process of imagining your podcast, your podcast to be uh, wanting to increase results with the podcast you have. This room, Podcasting for Authors, is sponsored by Club Pod. So if you join the club, the little greenhouse at the top, there are other rooms going on round the clock on how to create your podcast, how to monetize your podcast, and you know anything podcast related that anybody can think of. And, and, and there will be more rooms as people think of more topics on it. Our room is podcasting for authors. We're specifically focusing on you know, the, the whole art of writing and marketing your book and using podcasts to promote your book and your brand and your business every week here Sunday at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Please follow the moderators. Uh, raise your hand if you have a question. Please hit the plus sign down below. If you're thinking the content is useful, please add friends. And uh, please pull to refresh, just pull, if you don't know what that means, you just touch the top of the screen and pull it down and it'll update all the photos. And I think that completes resetting the room. Devin, you want to take over? Uh, yeah, give me a second. Yes. Um, sorry, I was just uh, uh, bringing somebody else, I think, son onto the stage. Um, so I'm personally going to be leaving in about five minutes, but I'm going to leave you with in very able hands with Morgana and Samantha. Uh, so how about we move on? Why to, are you leaving? Oh, right, because I have a writers group, and so I have people that I've been writing with for years. They ensure that I get work done. Uh, so this is just a, a shout out that if you are having a difficult time getting your work done, working with a writers group is great because every week I have to have writing material completed. Otherwise, I'm wasting everybody's time. So I meet with about six people for about somewhere between two and three hours, and we talk about our work in sometimes very frank ways that upset my feelings. But they let me know, you know, some days I nail it, and some days it's like, nah, I think you need to rewrite that paragraph a lot. And uh, so I think it's a wonderful process. Uh, if you haven't done it before, and you're having, you're having trouble getting work done, there's all kinds of people that are waiting to sort of like meet with you. It's a great social thing. And you get, you get to be surrounded by writer's peeps once a week. So anyway, that's, that's my pitch for writers groups. And Lou, thank you for waiting. Hi, thanks for having me up. Um, I'm um, the author and illustrator of the book Brave New Girl, How to Be Fearless. Um, in 2017, I did a book tour in the US, um, going to places, you know, um, workshops and talks in Barnes and Noble around the country, um, Stanford University, I did a workshop. Um, and, and I really believe it helped increase um, the sales of the book massively in comparison to the UK where I didn't do a book, book tour. Um, it, the podcasts were pretty new in the UK at that time. But my um, agent did say, oh, we should make maybe try and get you on a few podcasts but we sort of didn't really get what it was all about so moved on a few years and I decided to start a podcast called Brave New Tribe interviewing real life brave new girls so so bringing my book to life with real people who um, had had um, found courage along the way in either work or or 
um, personal lives. Sorry about my dog barking in the background. Um, and then, um, and so then, um, and a lot of that, um, a lot of the guests are authors um, who I have on, and I love having authors on on the podcast because, you know, they're great storytellers. Um, I'm able to read their books before interviewing them, so I get a really good background on who they are and what questions I want to ask around the themes of Brave New Tribe. And then from that, um, I founded um, a podcast guest agency. So um, I do help um, other uh, women um, get onto other podcasts. Um, and the reason for that was because I could only interview 52 Brave New Girls a year, and I wanted to be able to help women's voices and stories get out onto more platforms more podcasts um globally um way more than i could um do on my own platform so that's why i formed formed the agency but i i really think that podcasting is amazing for authors uh because they're storytellers and and podcasting is a storytelling platform um my my question actually is um post pandemic do we think that um, real life book tours are over or or are podcasts really do, do they do the job without the, the authors having to schleck around the country or or go to other countries samantha do you want to unmute yourself Hi. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> um, I think it's a big yes. And I think that podcasting is absolutely here to stay at least for a while. And certainly the convenience and the reach of it is, you know, unbeatable um, for, especially for authors, most of us, many of whom, including me, don't really like to leave bed, much less the house. <laughs> uh, but I think we are also starved for in-person events and nothing, nothing, nothing builds connection with an audience like being in an actual room with them. So um, I think, and I think there's a huge amount of pent up demand. I mean, we're all so lonely for one another and, and eager to be in a room where we can see people and touch people and smell people and be part of something together. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, hunger for that. So I think it's, I think it's going to be both. I think for numbers, nothing beats online. Being on like one big internet radio show can take you to the num to number one overnight uh, because you can just reach a bigger audience online than you can in a bookstore. But bookstores are fun and, and they make great photo ops and, and it's an excuse to travel. So I, I agree with Samantha that uh, I, in, in person events meet a human need practically from a sales point of view, they're not necessary. Does that answer your question, Lou? Yeah, that's brilliant. And I can't wait for the pandemic to be over and to have those, those personal connections. I, I agree with you, both of you. I think it's, um, it's vital. It's our sort of lifeblood. Um, even when we are kind of shy and, and don't want to leave home, <laughs> I, I do think that when we when we dare, um, it it has huge feedback. And and I wouldn't have missed that book tour for the world. Um, and you know, I can see in the future that doing both would be amazing. So thank you so much. That's brilliant. <laughs>
Uh, but by the way, for since you do run a podcast agency, do you only take women? What kind of clients do you take? Um, I no, I take both women and men, but predominantly women. Um, and um, th- they tend to be people who are too busy to do the legwork of, you know, finding the right podcast for them, pitching properly, really bringing out the elements of the story that's going to work for an individual podcast and their listeners. Um, so they're the people that tend to take me on because um, they're, they're time poor. Sure. Yeah. No, the, the research part, nobody likes that. So they can just DM you on Instagram, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just get in touch. Great. Thank you, Lou. Kevin, you're on board. Good morning. Good morning. I am so happy. Um, I saw the uh, club pod. I thought Neil was um, in the room and I'm listening to all the great conversation and uh, amazed at the direction that Clubhouse has um, taken and brought all these wonderful people in. And thank you for allowing me to have a voice. I am an author. And I will say this to everyone in the room, if you ever want to predict what the next disaster um, will be, call me because I have a book coming out. Um, I I wrote a book called Letters to Elvis and did a little book tour, St. Martin's Press published the book. The day it was supposed to be released, um, the UPS strike um, happened, so they could not get the book out. The morning that um, the strike was ended and my book was ready to be shipped out, Lady Diana passed away. So no one was interested in the book. Um, My second book, Sprinkles, The True Spirit of Christmas, I did a very sneaky way of trying to tell people to be kind to everyone. So I told a Christmas story. So it's a novel. And um, it took went through the publishing process and they didn't release it until Christmas Eve. And my last book, um, my most recent book, which just came out on Audible yesterday, um, Indispensable Games of X's and O's was released two days um, before the shutdown of the world, the pandemic. So if you ever want to know what the next disaster would be, I do have another book. I took my divorce uh, and made it pos- positive. It's called Dating with the Full Deck. I will let you know what um, the economy is going to be, how your relationship is going to go. Just call me because my book is coming out in less than 30 days. Thank you. Do you have a question? Uh, yeah, the, the question is, um, re- regarding um, publishing and podcasts, um, what's the best way to launch your, your book through a podcast, if I can ask that? Samantha, would you like to take that? Because you've done that twice. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's ex- everything we've been talking about. First of all, Kevin, I'm so sorry that all these disasters have befallen you, um, but I will also say... Welcome to publishing. Welcome to entertainment. Welcome to entrepreneurship. Like everything happens, always. <laughs> hey, I, I, I have a great sense. I have a great sense of humor. Very, very little bothers me. Yeah, and it's man. and it's just always a question of well, how do we turn this thing that looks like a like a blockade into an opportunity? How do we turn this into a blessing? Like, it's there's always every time there's a disaster, there's always an opportunity. So I um, do agree. Good for you for, and good for you for keeping going and not quitting because that's the main thing is just don't quit. It's not part of my D- DNA. I, I change lives for a living. So good I, for you. I, I do this every day. Yeah. Um, as far as launching a book by a podcast, I, you know, we've covered, we've talked already about 
sort of the two pronged approach. One is having your own podcast in which you can be getting your message out and seeding your ideas and growing your platform. And the other is appearing on other people's podcasts and then trying as hard as you can to get those audiences to engage with you in some way, which is, you know, a little bit of a trick, but um, it's also kind of a numbers game. I mean, you, you will at, at some point reach some critical density, you know, as if you don't quit. I, I've never quit anything in my life. If you actually have listened to my story, you know, I, I, I came home one day from school and found out that my life had been torn apart. And I've been fighting ever since I was in sixth grade. Um, I've had great highs and lows. I've made it to an NFL practice squad. I'm the leader in um, the fitness industry that I, I, I'm in right now and in developing people. And right now, um, I've taken 10 um, startup podcasters and we are getting together to in the next week or so to launch um, the United 10 and we're going to grow and I'm going to document the growth of those 10 people over a year and present it um, via um, film and um, talk about how we can unite 10 strangers to serve one cause. Each podcaster um, has a different level of influence. I'm actually joining in and teaching my young son how to be an entrepreneur I got lucky enough because of this conversation to have Chris Weber, NBA star, to be my first guest. And um, I have never had a problem finding the right person. And um, I'm just trying to learn the ins and outs and listening to all you uh, experts. I'm very excited that I am privy to this because it would probably take me about six months to find each of you guys. So I thank you for being here on Clubhouse. Well, we're very happy to have you. And by the way, if you... I don't know if you're still with the same publishers for those other books or if the rights have reverted to you, but there's doesn't sound like there's any reason that you couldn't relaunch those books. Enough time has passed that you could build a whole new campaign and a whole new buzz over each of the books, regardless of what happened the first time around. Well, that's a good idea. Thank you. I, that's something that, that escaped me. So thank you for that, Ms. Mark. The other thing that's Kevin saying, and I'm so glad he mentioned it because I was thinking about it too when Devin was talking, is if you are not already in community with other people who are better at whatever it is you're doing than you are, get there. Hire a coach, hire a mentor, take a class, get a group. If you can't find a group, form your own group. Um, and again, make sure they're people you love and respect. You always want to play tennis with better tennis players. But you've got to know that most of the people in your life have absolutely no idea what you do or why. And they don't really care <laughs> in the same way that you don't really care what's going on in their law office or whatever, you know, your friends and family are in your life to be your friends and family and to love you and support you. Um, but you do need some people in your life who do know what it is you're doing, who have done what you're trying to do already, who um, know more about marketing, about technology, about websites, about branding, about, agents about the publishing process about whatever it is um get in those rooms virtual or real get with those people invest whatever you need to to stay there um because relationships are everything relationships are everything 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 i mean you've heard in my own story right i got my publisher because my best friend introduced me i'm on this podcast because morgana and i have known each other for 100 years and we have a, you know we're friends and we have a lot of mutual friends we're in a bunch of groups together um you know it's i know it feels like oh it's a big cold world out there well make it warmer 
Well, that's great advice. The one thing I do not lack is confidence. Um, and like, um, it's funny, my son was telling me that um, the balance between who I'm following versus people um, the, that are following me were off. And I, I explained to him, I always surround myself with people that get things done. I look for quality in people, not quantity, even though the social media says, you know, you've got to have a lot of followers. And that's the reason why I reached out to the nine other podcasters and said, collectively, it doesn't make any difference if, you know, you have 5,000 in your hand, but I mean, put 10, 10 people together and we end up with 25,000 uh, followers, we're success. And that's what I do. I do a great job of building success. I do a great job of getting people um, that was normally walking to believe that they can fly. And um, I've got a story to tell. And, you know, my whole thing is I, I want to make a difference in life. Thank you, Kevin. Did you get your question answered? You guys have been answering my questions since I've been sitting in the room. So I'm going to say you guys are incredible. You guys are superheroes. Thank you. Thank you. Caleb, you've been waiting patiently. Do you have a question for us? Yeah. And thank you for allowing me to come on here and, and talk to you all. And I just I stumbled across this uh, room not too long ago. And I just uh, I, I saw I said podcasting for authors. And I was like, well, I'm wanting to be an author. I host a podcast. So I guess this is a great time to jump on and ask a question. Um, so I'll give you a little bit of context of where I'm coming from and a little bit very short, brief um, explanation of my background just to get some better context. Um, and then I, if it's all right, I just have two questions for you all um, that I'm hoping that will be kind of inter interrelated, but hopefully um, uh, relevant enough to those who are also listening to get some knowledge out of it from you all. Um, so a little bit about myself. I was, I used to be a youth pastor. I was in student ministry working with churches for about 10 years. Uh, and then recently transitioned out to pursue a career as an author and a speaker. Um, and so uh, it, my, I have a book that's finished. Um, it's not published yet, but the, my ministry is, is called Simply Love Jesus. And the short version is how everything is complicated. Life, faith, family, friends, romance, preach, like it's all complicated. But I believe that Jesus is the one thing that shouldn't be. And when we understand the answer to one question, all of the complicated things in our life and in our world will fall into place, which is what does it mean to simply love Jesus? And so that's where I build all of my, um, all of my content around and everything that I do. That's what my book is about. And um, I have a podcast and, I, and this is now leading into the questions that I have for y'all. I have a podcast and I also have a YouTube and it's early in the beginning phases where neither of those things have uh, I've hit the algorithm and, and necessarily drawn the, drawn the audience because it's very, still very recent. And so my question is, since it's still early on, because um, I've got, I make YouTube videos and I make podcast episodes, since it's still early on, should I be putting my emphasis on one or the other? I tend to be the kind of person who likes to have their their hands in all of the boxes and all of the all the pockets, and I try to do my best to to mm -hmm. just. I tend to get excited about things, but I know that it's probably more valuable if I just hunker down on one of those things. And so, in your opinion, um, which do you find may complement? Uh, your book more a pot focusing on a podcast um, or a YouTube channel. Samantha, do you want to start and you can unmute yourself with the mic down at the bottom, right? Thank there. you. I, I, what's coming to my mind is I, why not just have one to do both? 
So record your podcasts, but also record them on Zoom or whatever, you know, video platform you like. And then you can have both the audio version of your podcast and the video version of your podcast and have it be the same thing. Yeah, that's a and that's a that's a really good point. It's something I thought about before, and now that I have the equipment to be able to potentially do both, it may be something to even to definitely look into. I think it's just because I I think of, um, you know, and and I think of it's always important to think about your audience and what are they looking for. And the one thing well, that I always try to think about is okay, well, why would someone jump onto this podcast, or why does someone listen to a podcast, or why does someone look listen watch a YouTube video? Um, and I think those things uh, kind of went back and forth on it because I feel like people go to those for different things. People well, use YouTube. Uh, to, sorry, go on. Some people are more visually oriented and they enjoy having visual stimulation. Some people mm-hmm. don't. Women especially really like to listen and not have to be stuck in front looking at something. But some women and men really want to see who you are so they can feel close to you. So I'm, I'm with Camp Samantha. My radio show with Devin exploded in numbers, in audio downloads when we added the video. I have no idea why. I think our video numbers are crap. But our audio download numbers exploded when we uh, when we live or simul streamed our radio show with the video. Uh, also, for marketing, you can take clips of video and or audio, take clips of audio, add some pictures, and throw a reel or a short video on on. Uh, Instagram is probably a great place for you, you know, wherever your people like to hang out. And, and by the way, people who love Jesus hang out everywhere. So, uh, you know, a question might be, are you talking more to men or women? Women do, I think, like audio, but I think you do a service by making both available. The real thing is, how do you limit your work? And also, you cannot... Nobody has ever been able to predict what is going to be a hit. If that were the case, a lot of movies would never have been made. Uh, So you really can't predict, especially in the beginning. Something may be like dead for six months and you're ready to give up. And the next month it explodes into something really big and you hit your stride. So I, I would just, you know, double duty exactly the way Samantha said, do a Zoom and send the audio to podcast land. You can use Libsyn and, or, or StormCloud or any number of services where you just hit a button and it gets distributed everywhere. And send the video to YouTube and, and maybe some other social media platforms. Mm-hmm. And then you can take the transcripts and make, turn them into blog posts, edit them into blog posts. I mean, mm-hmm. repurpose, reuse. Genius, and that's great for search engines. Right? Yeah. Well, I really appreciate that. My next question is a little bit more focused on the author side. Um, And that is, you know, I'm, since this is all very new to me, I'm mainly a guy with really big ideas and not necessarily the administrative skills to know exactly what your next steps are. And I'm very big on, you know, and I feel like everyone's like this. We just want to be able to make sure we're taking the right steps to put the most um, effective 
um, it, the effective result for whatever career we're pursuing. And so for me, it's, um, I would just love if you can give me a little bit of feedback. I would love if you would uh, uh, listen. I want to just kind of give you what my plans are moving forward with my book and just want to be able to hear it from other authors. Like it makes sense in my head, but from people who have actually been there, does this plan that I have in my head actually work out? Caleb, because we're, we are coming to the end of the room, can, <laughs> you, can you give it all to us in 30 seconds? Yes, yes, I can. Okay, great. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my plan is, uh, and I'll put it in 30 seconds, my plan is I'm uh, intending to self-publish the book. I have a friend of mine who he's a full-time self-published author, and he writes his own books, but he also edits. So he's going to help me edit my book. And my plan is to take out um, a small loan that's primarily focused on marketing, and the rest of it is going to be for funding the printing process and whatnot. And so my goal is that um, when I self-publish the book, use that. And then as I continue to, when I break even, then attempt to re-approach a publisher and then republish the book through them and publish further books in the future through them. Um, And so that's where my general plan is. And I know somewhere along the line, I know I want to be able to pick up, try to pursue a literary agent, but is it possible as a self-published person? Is it one of those things that you can look into? I mean, I feel like literary agents is kind of like a it's almost like chasing Bigfoot in a sense. But yeah, that's kind of my plan and kind of some of the things I'm looking to. And so what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I do have thoughts on this. I, I, I would, I find myself a little resistant to the idea of taking out a loan. I would bootstrap it instead. So I would fund the book with speaking engagements, with workshops, with pre-selling the book. You know, you can have a Kickstarter campaign for the book. Um, I would have the book pay for itself before you publish it um, and have the marketing campaign be paid for before, you know, before you need it. That, that's, that's my intuition on this. The other thing, you know, and it's, and it's always a good idea to focus on the dollars because frankly, you know, love is... <laughs> love is all there is but love is also kind of cheap like people will you know facebook likes and downloads and listens and you know it's it's nice for people to get enthusiastic but it's when they really open up their wallet that they commit so in some ways you don't really know if you have a good idea until you're charging for it uh so that's my feeling on that again it does happen sometimes that somebody self-publishes and then they're such a self-publishing phenomenon that a traditional publisher picks them up um it, it's it happens it's not impossible um more likely they're going to say okay good job with that first book now write another book you know we'll start you can get traditionally published with a new book and literary agents you know there's a slight bigfootish quality to them but remember you're just looking for the right one right you're not looking for any agent you're looking for the right agent What do you think, Morgana? Oh, I agree with you. And I I love uh, what you shared because making money from books is really rare and and usually doesn't start at zero. Um, I did really well with my book, but I already had a really robust business and platform. And it was a six-month book launch. And I invested heavily into it and it was a lot of work. It was also a crazy amount of fun and I loved every moment of it, but I loved uh, because I was also 
while marketing my book, I was also marketing my business too. And I was also doing things that I was already really good at. Uh, public speaking, telesummits, uh, answering questions for a virtual book tour. And, and I had, I hired somebody to do all the stuff that I'm complete crap at, which is anything administrative, <laughs> anything that is keeping track of people, keeping track of gifts, keeping, you know, building websites and getting people to do what they're supposed to do on time. I, I have to be, my business has to be like protected from me trying to do any of that. Um, so I would never like bank on a book paying for itself. If it, if it makes money, that to me is, that's wonderful frosting. Uh, so I, what I love about what Samantha said is a, the making, yeah, the, you know, liking is, is cheap and easy. Investing is like a real relationship. There's, there's a little bit of a marriage there. So whatever you can do to, and I mean, your topic, people, it's such a great topic. There's no mm. shortage of people who will, who will buy into that. So, because it's, it's kind of a ministry, not even kind of, it is a ministry. So, you know, have, have people buy into it and support the book before you launch it, get benefit beyond the book by live workshops. For my book, what was so much fun about the launch was it wasn't, Hey friends, will you help me? It wasn't anything like that at all. It was, uh, having people that I had relationship with that I loved, I created a, a summit where they got to shine and be superstar rock stars and grow their audience while saying how much they love my topic and respect me and everybody should buy my book. And everybody who had a gift, uh, a free gift for the book launch, I was hearing that they were growing their list. And one woman who had her very first ever free opt-in at supporting my book, signed her first ever high ticket client as a result of supporting my book and giving a free gift and mailing out in support of that. So the more you can make the, the process of promoting the book and your message, because the book is just one part, it's just one way of delivering your message, a fun party that benefits all, the more money comes in. The more you come from a place of love and generosity and service, the more the money can come in, in this way that Samantha described that actually feels like perfect integrity, hold workshops, hold online seminars, and ask, pre-sell the book, pre-sell the book. How does that feel, Caleb? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's good. I think some of the things that I've run into in the past, which is what had led me to bring it up, like the loan, for example, was um, I've done attempts in the past of reaching out to friends and trying to share and trying to um, get a Kickstarter going. Um, but I've just found, I don't know what it is, but I've just found that it has been more difficult. Um, I don't know why this has kind of been what it is for my life, but I've just it's, found it is a lot more difficult to garnish supporters and gather well, supporters and, for those things. And um, by the way, this is a very good exercise for you because it's not going to get easier once the book is published and you have a bunch of debt. So learn how to get the su supporters before you go into debt, because it's not going to change. 
In fact, it gets harder because you're more stressed when you have debt. Samantha? Yeah. Also, yeah, I, I just want to, this is kind of what I was trying to say earlier. Your friends and family are not your clients. They're not your readers. They're not your target market. They're your friends and family. So don't look to them. Um, however, the friends of your friends and family might be a good target market. So you can, but I found, yeah, it's really hard to get your friends to share. It's really hard to get them to notice anything. I, I don't think my sister even read my last book. Like, you know, like, and it's fine. I mean, I don't know what's going on in her office either. So um, you need to start building your own platform of people who are excited about what you're doing. And I know it's scary to go out into the big world and say, hi, here I am, but it's okay. And again, get in a group, get, get, you know, create a little marketing consortium, create, get, get training, get, get some, get a mentor, get somebody. Um, Cause you can do it. You can absolutely do it. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Oh my goodness. I was just speaking to you with my mic off. I was saying great questions, <laughs> Caleb. Uh, thank you. And I wish you all the success in the world. Thank, thank you, you. And Sun, am I saying, is it Sun or Soon? Am I saying your name correctly? You're right, Sun Young. <laughs> ah. <laughs> thank you. How can we okay, help? So What's your question? question? So my question is, is um, so our book is the book that my husband and I wrote about opposite opposites. And um, I'm trying to start a podcast. And, and so do I say, like I have kind of got into Google and looked at it, um, looked at some information and they said, you know, first episode should be like three to six minutes long or, um, and so I'm kind of confused about like, do I tell myself, do I tell my audience that I'm an author to get the credibility and share my stories or there's a different topic that I want to talk about the life lessons that I have learned that is a very going to be beneficial, you know, so I don't know how to start the podcast as far as like, um, you know, where do I start or can I do it for 10 minutes or three minutes or do I start with the, you know, um, you know, this is after Sanyang or this is, you know, topic or, I'm, you know, I, I just don't know. I've been recorded myself, but I'm not sure how to start in the beginning to get a credibility to launch because I have another book coming up in you know, processing of a printing process right now is called investing in yourself. And all the entrepreneurs, CEOs, everybody that who is going after, we all need to invest in ourselves before we can invest in our business and others. And so I just want to do um, podcast, but somebody said, well, just read a one chapter, you know, to kind of get them hooked or something. So I have no idea. So this is great. I great room for me to get in. <laughs> Well, Samantha, you just launched your podcast. How did you do it? Yeah. So again, I think that the first question is, and this is a real recurring theme in this conversation, is, is how can you best be of service? You know, what do people really need to hear from you specifically? Who are they and, and what are they really hungry to hear from you? Um, the, the, I will say I... I Okay, let me just, so I started to start in four sentences and didn't finish any of them. Okay, uh, the Secrets of Highly Creative People podcast, which is the brand new one, I recorded, uh, I think, four episodes ahead of time. So there's sort of an intro orientation uh, that's, yeah, around 10 minutes, I think, uh, seven minutes maybe, that just kind of gives an overview of who I am and what I'm talking about and why. And then 
uh, the next couple of episodes go into specific topics, you know, how to manage the nonstop flow of ideas that highly creative people have. Because that's sort of the hallmark of highly creative people is they've got a brilliant ideas all the time. Uh, there's another episode that talks about the highly creative person's love of nuance and subtlety. You know, you ask a highly creative person a question and they're going to say, well, it depends, right? Um, however, this also means that we will overcomplicate a paper bag. So I'm just doing it sort of by topic. Um, and we, so we drop the trailer and then three episodes and then there'll be an episode a week for the next couple of weeks. And then that will be the season. Um, and we'll take a little break and maybe come back and I might do interviews for the second season. I'm not sure. Uh, does that help at all? I, you know, the, I mean, the real problem soon is that there, the is that there isn't a right answer, right? There's just your answer. I, I think, I think yeah. that was actually a pretty brilliant right answer. So a few things here is you dropped more than one episode in the beginning. And I've heard this a number of times, like have three or four or five. So, and the first one is an intro and it doesn't have to be this really long epic thing. You just let people know this is what it's about. This is what you're gonna get. This is what you can expect. And here's where you can find it. And then, and then you have more content so that they don't have to wait or remember. And you, and, and it, and then you have enough episodes to get people hooked that they keep wanting to come back. And then you give yourself rest time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and like a good place for you to think is what would you want to hear? Because everybody lives in what, it, what, what is it described as like we all, we're all tuned into radio station WIFM, what's in it for me? So if you were the listener, because it's usually pretty safe to assume that the people you attract are going to be from your, like, your space alien planet, mm -hmm. where, you know, they, they're kind of a lot like you. So what would you want to be hearing? What were your pains way back when that, oh, my God, if somebody had just told you that 30 years ago and yes. put that in? Yes, that's brilliant, Morgana. And I have to say, that's how the first, that's how Get It Done came about. I mean, it was, I wrote the book that I kept trying to buy. I kept buying other books, hoping that they would be Get It Done. And finally, I realized that book's not out there. I have to write it because there's all these great creativity books out there, you know, but it's all like, you know, unleash your inner artist. And I'm like, no, no, plenty unleashed already. Thanks very much. <laughs> like, don't need any more unleashing. Um, and then there's all the great productivity books. But you know, creative people don't care who's moved their cheese. So I needed to write basically, you know, what is project management for the highly creative person? How do you get your stuff done when there isn't a right way to do it? There's just your way. And so I think asking yourself that question, what's missing? What, what, what do I keep looking for that I'm not hearing anybody else saying, apparently I am the designated, designated spokesperson for that. Yeah. Um, thank you for great uh, answers. Uh, I guess one of the things that I kind of, our book that we wrote about opposite opposites, we're so opposite from each other and how do we get along, you know, facing daily frustrations. So we're very being vulnerable to our, our audience, you know, so like my husband will put his part like, you know, I was so frustrated with my wife, you know, how long does it take to, you know, create a um, 
Apple ID. Ten minutes. It's going to take three seconds. You know, we kind of made it into fun things, and also like what things that frustrated about my husband. Like we went out to, we had a meeting, and and so those things are being vulnerable, and that's what I want to read. You know, from other people's book, and that's what I wrote about. That's what we wrote about. I love and, it. And you know, my and my husband didn't want to be a um, an author, but I said I want to give this to you as a birthday present and Christmas present. And he was just fighting me for it. You know, he's like, no, I don't want to be. And I was like, but we're going to be retired. Wouldn't it be nice to have like a, a book as a, a, a business card on a steroids for our businesses that we're building? You know, so then there's a lot of, you know, uh, fighting and, and, you know, like he didn't want to because he wasn't thinking like me. And because I like to think outside the box. And so we're being very vulnerable about our books, about, you know, it's uh, like going to the restaurant. We got frustrated and we put in our fights about that, you know, because that's what I want to read. I want to read the real stuff, you know. Me too. So, yeah. No, that's that. You're giving people, you're kind of peeling back the curtain behind a real successful relationship. You know, and, and giving permission to people to be real. I think... I think it sounds entertaining and informative. I'm, I'm, I'm sold. I, I like it. Please do it. Okay. <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, I, like I said, what, while you guys were talking about that, your family and your friends, you know, you can't think about them because they're like, ooh, really? You know, it's like that, you know, but I don't care. To me, it's helping saving somebody's relationship because we almost got in a divorce and everything and we're able to you know come through a lot of stress and and like i said and we've been through 18 months of work before we wrote this book i mean this was like uh tell your stories talk about your fights with love and affection for each other and a sense of humor and then direct people to your book thank you very much okay thank you Sounds Appreciate great. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. And get on okay. other people's shows too, because you sound really, really cute and adorable. But how do I get on other people's podcasts? You guys hire, you guys, you know. Well, I, me, I, here's, <laughs> here, here's a, a clue. By the way, I want you to follow me. Everybody, you know, follow Devin and Samantha and me. Son, I want you to follow me. I want you to follow me on Instagram. I want you to direct message me on Instagram because one of the things that I do hosting this room is I listen for people who might be good for my show. How they, my my show, Crazy Sexy Midlife Love. Because like I grew up receiving all this garbage about having to be young and skinny and perfect and pretty and then maybe I'll be lovable enough. And yet 47 years went by and I still hadn't gotten married. Actually, I met Devin at 45. I, and, and that we got married when I was 47, I thought was earlier than I expected with him. But it's been such a happy surprise to me that midlife love is so much better. Like for me, being young was a garbage heap. <laughs> it was devastating. And to, like, to be in a relationship with an actual grown-up, is so much fun and it's so easy and I really kind of just want to go after all the misogynistic nonsense being sold to us about age and body and women and all that all that crap and that's why that's why we created our show and then meanwhile Devin came up with the idea that you know get marrying once getting married once is okay but what if we got married a hundred times in a hundred countries he like 
got that idea maybe two weeks into our marriage because we're travelers, wow. right? Wow. So yeah, much fun. Neat. So he's writing well, a book and, and, and our, and our show will support the book. And it, we didn't, we aren't doing the weddings to create a book or a show or for anybody. We couldn't give a hoot about anybody else. We do it for ourselves, but it is fun. And the idea of it gets people excited and we want people to celebrate love. So we share the story. I love it. Um, yeah, one thing is like, this is my second marriage. And uh, so I have a lot of heartaches, but I met my husband, he was 45. So I got married. So no, no, see. Yeah. Anyway, so, we've been so made, contact we've me made, on Instagram because yeah. I actually use Clubhouse to audition. <laughs> Just how people show up lets me know everything about what they'd be like as a guest. Are they okay. all about promoting okay. themselves or are they generous and fun? Oh, that'd okay. be great. Thank you. I will. Thank you, son. I, I followed all three of you guys already, so thank you. Fantastic. Thank you thank so much, you. son. Paul, you are our final person. What's your question? Um. Hi, first of all, um, thank you for, uh, well, what I can see you're probably spending a bit of extra time to get to me because you said you were going to close the room down. Um, so I'll try not to the, take too You have two creative women who are terrible at managing time. Okay, brilliant. Um, well, thank you for uh, letting me speak, first of all. Um, so I'm, I've been told for a long, long time, oh, you should write your book and everything else. And I'm finally getting around to do it, particularly with um, lockdown. And I definitely would want to do uh, like an audio version of the book, um, primarily because I'm vision impaired myself. And I also know that a lot of people that I know listen to books that way. But also, as you said, uh, one of you said, um, a lot of people that are can see, you know, so are sighted do read audio books too so I, I don't have any doubt about that side of the uh, of the thing about what I want to do but I think my my book would be about my um life because fundamentally if you if you don't mind me telling you as briefly as possible um fundamentally I lost my eyesight and so in effect had my what's my lifelong disability due to um sort of like abuse at the hands of my parents and stuff and so I'm my natural parents and then I was fostered um, went to a really good school that really looked after me um, that I was residential at and then you know grew up and to the point where if I could frame it like this um, I went to a, a new doctor's surgery and she kept asking me if I was all right and I was like yeah I'm fine thanks and you know I'm, I'm very well and then she asked me again and kept asking me again and then she said and in the end, I was like getting worried. And I said, why do you keep asking me this? And then it occurred to me that she might have seen some of my medical records on her um, computer. So I asked her, I said, have you got your record, my records in front of you? And she said, uh, yeah. And then she said, you know, you should be on antidepressants. You should have had psychiatric help. You should be in absolute turmoil. And you're not. And like, why? And I said, well, partly it's my own tenacity. And she agreed and nodded and was all... And then I said, and the other part of it, I think, is my faith. And then she went, oh, I don't see what that's got to do with it. And I said, hang on a minute. A minute ago, you were going on about how great it was and why I shouldn't, you know, that I should be on all this stuff. And uh, I said, but tenacity works for you, but faith doesn't. And and her reaction was so um, like her change. She literally... Paul, you've disappeared. We can't hear you. 
Paul? Paul? Sorry, are you, are you still there? Yes. Sorry, I, I got a call, so hopefully it's my partner trying to call me. Hopefully we won't get in touch. Oh, yeah. Um, but that was the story anyway. So she she kind of slapped herself as if to say, what a silly thing to say. And she and, and so that, that was one of the reasons that I thought I really should try and write this book because the reaction was so profound. That, but then I, I guess it's like, how do how, I don't even know how I would begin to write it. Like I was thinking, I have all the information about what happened in my early years. And I was thinking well, I could just go through from naught to whenever I, you know, left care and then started my life and then and then just hang different chapters on different events but talk around what else is going on inside my world besides the the really dramatic events because it's like how do you mix such dramatic events with with humor because obviously in my life I've had lots of funny stories embarrassing stories things that happen as a result of being visually impaired all the rest of it um and and is that a good way to go you know so because so, I don't want to sorry I've spoken enough but I think well, you get my point I I want to hear what Samantha says. Mm -hmm. And I also want you to come back next week because okay. Devin is a memoirist. All right. So this is this is what he does. And you can't even shut him up about it. He loves talking about exactly what you're asking. So please okay. let's hear what um, Samantha has to say and then okay. come back next week too at Well we'll do. Okay, Samantha, what's your yeah. advice? Yeah, I mean again, we're we're talking about something where there isn't a right way right? There's just your way. So, and I think there's a certain um, way in which the project itself has a desire to be something, you know? So you kind of got to get, just get in there and start writing and see where it goes. Yeah. Um, if you, and if you want though, I mean, there's certainly a lot of really great memoirists who've told really harrowing stories in really entertaining ways. Augustine Burroughs comes to mind. Um, Mary Carr, uh, Danny Shapiro, uh, uh, David Sedaris, you know, these great, great storytellers who just reveal the most shocking things. Annie Lamott. Mm -hmm. um, at, but they're able to turn, you know, the whole thing with art is, is turning your feelings into something. Yeah. Right. Everybody has feelings. Creators get to turn their feelings into something. Art explains our feelings to us. Mm. That's what art does. So um, I would definitely swim around in the memoirs to pool a little bit and see yeah, who else yeah. is writing and, and who else is in your in your category, in your field, and steal their best ideas. Like whatever they do that you think is cool, do that. Well, I think do it, yeah. do it your way, but do it. And I think I think what I've got is the is the big that's that's it really. Like I don't imagine it would be a series of books, but what what I have may or mine I'm I, I love what you said about the what was it the i something fm you know the what's in it for me fm mm -hmm. I, I kind of don't want to be like that but i know i know there's something in it for a lot of people like i can imagine being invited to speak to like social services and stuff because you know there was interventions that should have happened sooner in many respects we can i, I know it will create a controversy in some ways but but also i want it to be actually if someone's going through or and has been through that you know they might find that they have an ally you know and and sort of to talk about how that experience has made me but also how, how I've defined myself as a result of it so you know I can see lots of potential um, if people pick up on it at all which of course I might not you know I get all that and and I'm not too worried you know it's it, it's just it's just something that I think I would like to do because 
as as we've been talking about our friends oh yeah you should do a book and i know i know they say that um but that it's 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 whether then outside of that world that, that you're in whether people will pick up on it and and want to know and so it, it will be things like do i get it published do i self-publish well i think you've answered that question um to a large extent um it and sounds, the outlay and things like that yeah it sounds yeah. like you have a Go message it sounds like you have a really yeah. powerful important message that needs to be heard that could save lives i don't think it really matters whether it's self-published or conventionally published because you are the messenger yeah. and in a way having a book is just an excuse to get the message out to get on the radio to get on tv to get on podcasts yeah to of get course your it message is yeah out. completely yeah yeah and and knowing what your message is and i think you do like yeah. that that is that is the biggest piece of the puzzle that's helpful that's really helpful to hear that i yeah. i really appreciate you and i think <laughs> that it's it's you know the highest form of art is taking your own personal tragedy and turning mm. it into a vehicle for the transformation of others and and i'm at a point in life where you know well i'm 53 so you know it's not it's not as if people couldn't say well that's just rubbish because you know i've actually lived a lot of life and i've got a lot of lived experience and as, as much as my disability has and will always affect my life and and that it came about without my choosing you know i mean nobody chooses a disability you know what i mean but i i didn't you know it it, it was it was foisted upon me in in the most awful way and right. that, that that's happened to other people of course it has and so I, I, on many levels i can see that that yes it would be something that it's a message of um definitely over um triumph over adversity in some ways and and um, but I'm I'm not really the sort of person that that I, I don't see myself as in, an inspirational anything. I just but but if that happens, if if it if it does inspire somebody, like I don't I don't need that for my own self gratification in any way whatsoever, you know. But I would love it if people would 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 have a genuine connection with what I'm will be saying, and and that and that social services for example any of those professions or any there's a lot of people a lot of different groups i can see all that and i think if you've done anything you've confirmed that what i think is that the direction that's in my heart to go it feels probably like the right one it feels yeah. like it's coming from a place of love and generosity yeah samantha yeah. Yeah, totally. And I'll tell you what too, Paul, I, I love the accessibility issue. I, I, it's one of the reasons I love audio as well is because, yeah. you know, um, and, you know, books don't have to be books anymore. You could do, mm. you could do it just on audio. You could have an audio blog. You could have a podcast. You could have a podcast. You could have a clubhouse room. You know, you can say, no, no, I only do, I only do audio and video because I'm about mm. accessibility and that's cool. I, I would I would definitely do both. I think audio for me would be a huge thing, and um, I I know because I produce podcasts. Like I I I know that for a blind person to read at a reasonable speed onto audio is a really difficult thing to do. Like I you know I I produce accessible information for work and things like that. So but but I would that would want be one of my personal challenges. Like I, I'd really want it to be in an audio format um, uh, as a as a book or broken down in podcasts as well, of course and 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 as you suggest i mean i i don't 
I don't need I, if someone wants to pay me for an engagement or whatever then you know, I'm not averse to that but I, I don't I don't necessarily need to do that that what that's not really my um inspiration for doing it because I think I would feel like I was selling my experience short in that sense if that if that makes any sense I don't know um, no, it, it sounds like it's coming from a much deeper place yeah yeah and we never want to feel like we're pimping out our life you know yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. but, but okay. and there and there are ways and you will have to practice this i i had to do it too there's elements of my story that are not so pretty and not so fun mm. and to be able to tell that part of the story in a way that is truthful um but also entertaining and not asking yeah. for anyone's sympathy or, or pity you know i'll say things like you know well not exactly a member of the happy childhood club what do you and, do about yeah people seem to know yeah. what that means <laughs> yeah 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 definitely i mean i've got I've, for example i've got like um half sisters that kind of don't really believe the narrative and and unfortunately i have i met one of them as, as a result of my my late brother um he he died last year and i'd never met this girl before and then somebody wanted to sort of bring this conversation around about oh uh, what happened in the past and, he, and and it was an awfully embarrassing situation where um she was saying well so she's so she's she her mother is 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 my mom so obviously yeah she's my half sister and and she was like well i kind of believe all this because you're saying it but and i said look i don't want to tell you my story in this in this way because because then i'm i'm forcing you to confront the fact that your mom <laughs> was who she was to me even though she might have been different to you and and i know i know I, I worry about things like that as well as part of it i know that it will be controversial for some people because because they're because they're involved in in a in a, in a in a half connected way whether they like it or not really mm -hmm. but i can't not tell my truth in the sense that it is true like they were convicted of of what they did and things like that so i i, I dude i obviously wouldn't use people's real names and things like that but i but would would you say that's a reason to avoid telling my story um i would say no again Devin had to face all of this when he okay. released his memoir. He also yeah. is a proud member of the Not Happy Childhood Family, as am mm, I. Mm, yeah, we sure. have our um, member badges and everything. Um, yeah, that's a very that is a very scary time. Mm. Um, what I would suggest to you, and yeah, changing people's names when appropriate is can can be helpful, uh, and certainly. You know, this is where a publisher can come in handy because they have legal teams. But ultimately, it sounds to me like your desire to help. Yeah, it is. That's, is yeah, bigger that's than it. your yeah. fear. Yeah. And will there be people who don't like your book? I don't think that there's anything that has ever been put out or produced <laughs> in the history of humanity that didn't doesn't have detractors. So yeah, you, just, yeah. you just have to let that be part. And that for everybody here, that's your book, that's your podcast, that's the way you say good morning or, or drink your coffee. I mean, it's just part of the human condition. Um, mm. Do come back. Devin is in okay. his writing, writer's group, but this is his favorite topic in the world is memoir writing. All right. Listen, thank you so much for your time. I know I've, I've sort of encroached on a bit of your extra time. I so you're think doing you had a you're great value. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, thank you. So, um, 
as we wrap this up, I just, I just want to give the biggest shout out to the brilliance and generosity that is Samantha Bennett. Um, for those of you who have joined us, Samantha is the author of Get It Done from Procrastination to Creative Genius in 15 Minutes a Day, which Seth Godin called an instant classic, essential reading for anyone who wants to make a ruckus. And I think uh, Keegan Key, like Keegan Michael Key, yeah. Oh, oh my God, like I'm just a puddle of, of like. <laughs> <laughs> hero worship and i can uh, tell you that he is just as wonderful in person as you want him to be he is so course. lovely and smart and funny and great and yeah he he wrote the forward to the book that's why Morgana's jealous and oh. and then your follow-up books start right where you are how little changes can make a big difference for overwhelmed procrastinators frustrated overachievers and recovering perfectionists both published by new world library uh you launched both books with a real heavy emphasis on virtual interviews with podcasts and internet radio. And you just launched your own podcast, which is, oh, it should have been on my list here. And no, you're oh, it's not so new though. It really it just happened this week. It's Secrets yeah. of Highly Creative People. Right. Every Thursday. So thank you. Thank you for staying with us all the way through. Uh, thank you to the audience. This room is called Podcasting for Authors. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern time. If you didn't get your question answered or as deeply as you wanted, just come back next week and ask the question. We do record. If you don't like recordings, you can send me your question through text via direct message. Uh, our room is hosted by Club Pod which is the biggest podcasting club in Clubhouse. If you want to learn more about podcasting, how to launch it, tricks, tricks of the trade, join Club Pod. There are a ton of other rooms. We are the only podcasting for authors room. Uh, and let's see, uh, as a gift, if you join Club Pod, and even if you don't, because I'm giving you the information right now, uh, you can grab a free lifetime subscription to Podcast Magazine by using the private backdoor link clubpod.free. Uh, finally, please follow Samantha, Devin, and myself and hit the little bell so that you know when the next room opens up because the sooner you know about it, the higher up you know on the page you get. Also, when we open the room, we open it to uh, Club Pod members first before we open it up to the full public. So thank you so much. And that completes today's room of podcasting for authors. And just, you know, sending you love. Can't wait to hear about your books and your podcasts in weeks to come. Thank you, Samantha. Oh, thank you, Morgana. Thank Devin for me. Thanks everybody for being here. It's been a really fun way to spend the day. Thank you. Have a great day.